You can now hear Movie Heaven, Movie Hell on Stitcher. Stitcher is radio on demand. Listen anytime, anywhere. Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows, plus discover from 20,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows. You can also create your own custom playlists. Stitcher is available on iOS, Android, Nook, iPad, and in over 4 million card dashboards. It's on demand and it's on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory. You can stream your favorite podcasts from Stitcher. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at stitcher.com or in the App Store. And please leave us a review and rating on Stitcher. Thank you. Welcome to Movie Heaven, Movie Hell with me, Simon Aiken, and... And I'm Keith Isles, and we are both uh, independent filmmakers who enjoy talking about other filmmakers' work, and we've been going through the A to Z of film directors and talking about their work, both good and not so good. <laughs> However, tonight is different. It is very different, uh, as this is our Christmas special. Merry Christmas. Going, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yes, this is going out on the 24th of December, Christmas Eve. So uh, our last minute Christmas present to you, the listeners. Are you excited, Simon? For Christmas? Yes. Um, this is the thing. When I was a kid, I this time of year, I, I would probably be driving my parents nuts. <laughs> but but um, I, I'm, I'm actually I'm pretty cool about it. I mean... I've I've done all my Christmas shopping. It's well all done. done now, and well, it should be, assuming it's you know the twenty fourth of December. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm still running around now trying to find Christmas presents, well, it's okay. too late. There, all, all the every store is closed. That's it. Ah, <laughs> uh, you can always find that one store that's open late. You know, liquor, the present that keeps on giving. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, but um, no, I'm, I am I enjoy Christmas, um, uh, you know, and it's it's nice to spend it with family and stuff. Um, I'm going to be uh, up in Leeds, uh, so I'll be, uh, hopefully, we might see some snow. Yes, hopefully snow and not flooding. <laughs> so, Knock on wood. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm, I must admit, yes, Christmas... Uh, well, you know, when I was a kid, yeah, it was amazing. Uh, I love it now for different reasons, but nowadays Christmas is 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 more for my parents than me. I I feel, <laughs> which which is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll be I'll be cooking uh, Christmas uh, dinner in in tomorrow, <laughs> and uh, yes, good stuff, exciting, and um, yeah. I love it. I love the trees. I love the time of year. I just, yeah, like everything about it, really. Yeah. And of course, the movies. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And no. Uh, I have to say, it's. I think it's been a while since we've had a good Christmas movie. It, they they seem to have this formula at the moment where it's very sickly sweet. Um, 
it, they have this running theme of Christmases with families that you just wouldn't want to spend Christmas with. Mm. And commercial. Very commercial. It's all about money because that's what Christmas is about. It's how many presents you get. It's not yes. about anything else. <laughs> Never mind anything religious. It's about <laughs> money and how much you can get. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Um, so let's uh, let's delve into our sack of films. Mm. So um, this is a Christmas movie heaven, movie hell, just in it, case, <laughs> in terms of Christmas movies, which, interestingly, how have we defined Christmas movies in this particular instance? Because there are so many. Well, um, they, they have to be about Christmas, and it's not films that just happen to take place during Christmas. So... No, no Die Hard. Yeah, ruled out Die Hard. <laughs> Lethal Weapons. Gremlins, yeah. I think wasn't um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang at Christmas as well? Yes, it was. I believe it was, actually, yes. yes. You know, because yeah. every good Shane Black script happens at Christmas. It does. Iron yes. Man 3 as well. So, well, uh... yeah. Good and bad Shane Black scripts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Oh, let's not I, go there. <laughs> I enjoyed Iron Man 3. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it had it's, its, its moments. It's just a shame about the ending. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want to see a good Shane Black script uh, film with Robert Downey Jr. in it, go and see Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh, uh, awesome film. Absolutely. Yeah. No, indeed. Uh, unfortunately, not a film we're going to talk about. No, no. I was going to say, how have we got <laughs> onto this? There you go. We, 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 we've got off topic already. Wow. We're, doing, we're what, five minutes in? Yay. Yes. <laughs> uh, we're just full of the Christmas spirit. We're full of Christmas spirit. We've had one too many uh, eggnogs or whatever. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Keith, uh, what is your pick for Christmas movie heaven? Wow. Yeah. Well, Christmas movie heaven. Lots and lots and lots of films to choose from, from the history of cinema. It's like, oh, my God, where do we go? So as usual, I just made it easy and went with my gut instinct. Um, talking about a, uh, a film that's now considered a Christmas classic. However, um, back in the day, it actually wasn't that successful originally. And that's Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life. Um, which, you know, Frank Capra, the the multi Oscar winning uh, director uh, from the 30s and 40s that did films like It Happened One Night and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, etc., etc. This was actually his first uh, film post post war, uh, post World War Two. So this was made in 1946, um, and. I have to say, I, I think in terms of a film that, that has the the Christmas spirit and sums it all up, uh, you, you, you know, you can't get a lot better than this, in my opinion. So when was the first time you saw it? Well, it was one of those films, obviously, because, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not that old. But <laughs> no, it's one of those films that's always been around uh, as a Christmas classic. Um to be fair, when I was a kid and it was on, I probably didn't sit down and watch it and appreciate it for what it was. This is one of those films that once I became an adult, um, you know, it was the sort of film that really appealed to me. And, uh, you know, I have to say, you, you know, I say this as a grown man, but uh, this is a film that, that brings me to tears every time. 
Uh, I've sat in a movie theater and watched this and it's brought me to tears. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think I'm trying to remember when was the first time I sat through it and, and remember it as a uh, as a whole. And I think it was it actually wasn't on television or, or, or video. I did go to a screening of it. Um, you know, some years back now, but it came to the local cinema for the Christmas season. And I thought to myself, oh, this is a film that I haven't really sort of sat down and watched properly. So, um, you know, let's go and see it on the big screen, you know, how you're supposed to. And uh, um, yeah, I remember sitting there, you know, <laughs> crying like a girl. <laughs> I, I, I must admit that um, I have somehow was able to avoid this film growing up and into adulthood and i only watched it last year oh wow okay yeah um i it we have sky in the house and Mm -hmm. it was on and i thought you know what i've got the house to myself got big screen tv i'm gonna sit down watch this film and um yeah i i had the same yeah, it had the same effect on me. It uh, it brought me to tears. It's um, it's I have to say it's not an easy film to sit down and watch. Uh, and when I say that, I mean that it's. You remember how when Slumdog Millionaire came out and it was like feel good film of the year. <laughs> well, it's a wonderful life is very similar to that because the build up to the end. It's it's tough. Oh yeah, very tough. Um, because you're watching George Bailey played marvelously by James Stewart as a man who wants to 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 see the world. He wants to get out of this small town and see the world. And every time he tries to to get out of the town, he's thwarted. Yeah. Every well, I mean, time. Uh, and th- and I, 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 I won't go too much because I know you're going to go into this great. Disc- great well but i mean it, it's 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 you really feel for the guy and it's really hard to watch that so when the ending comes it it's amazing because you're it's like you do feel good you know because it's 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 built up to that point and it was the same with slumdog millionaire <laughs> even though <laughs> slumdog millionaire was a lot a lot harder in its main character than this film is Right. Yeah. No, I must admit, I hadn't thought of the parallel, but now you mention it, I, I see where you're coming from. So it, it is a film then that for you did live up to the hype. Yeah. Having seen it sort of, you know, quite late after its sort of classic status, um, it did for you live up to the hype. Yeah. 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 Oh, I mean, um, I, I remember um, the first time sort of being aware of it was from watching Gremlins. Right, yes, because it's, it's on the TV. It's on the TV, and you, and you yeah. see, you see the bit at the end where yeah. he, he's appreciating life. Absolutely, <laughs> when he's running around the streets like a madman. Yeah, <laughs> great, though. good stuff. No, yeah. a- absolutely. I mean, I, I think, I mean, this was actually the 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 f- one of only two films produced, I think, by Liberty Films, which was an independent. You know, even back then, uh, branching away from the control of the studio systems, it was an independent um, production company that was set up by Frank Capra and William Wyler. Okay. And um, uh, but as I said, this was this was one of the only two films that they actually made because uh, you know it did the, the company did get into, from my understanding, financial troubles and things. And as I said, this actually 
at the time of its release, bizarrely, you know, because now it's obviously considered this this classic, but um, apparently wasn't wasn't very highly regarded, which which is interesting because I think about the time it was made. Obviously, we're coming at this whole post-war, um, you know, situation, uh, and and you know, to to make something that's kind of well, at the end anyway, sort of feel good and, and positive, I thought would have been would have been well received. But um, but, you know, as you've rightly said, uh, I think a lot of it is down to the fact that, um, you know, you have Jimmy Stewart playing George Bailey. And, and I agree, you've already said a wonderful performance. And bearing in mind that he's kind of he, he was around 40 when he made this and he's sort of playing him from 20 years old in, into his 40s, you know, as they sort of go back over his life. And, uh, um, yeah, it, it is one of those. He, you can tell he brings a lot of his own personality to this. Mm. Yes. You know, Frank Capra, a very, very competent filmmaker. I know we always, you know, we make this about the filmmakers and, you know, knew what he was doing. But in, in knowing what he was doing, he allowed, I think, the actors and the chemistry with the actors to, to really work. Because this also, I think this was the first film for Donna Reed. And, um, you, you, you know, they have a really good chemistry in this film. Um and then, of course, you've got your classics in there, like Lionel Barrymore of the of that dynasty and whatever. But um, yeah, just to set up the scene, it, it takes place in a small town uh, called Bedford Falls, um, and uh, it takes place on on the eve of Christmas Eve uh, around that time, nineteen forty five, I think. And um, this character of George Bailey, I mean, you know, we say about it being a feel good film. It starts off with this character wanting to commit suicide. <laughs> One of the things I quite like is the fantasy element, actually, yeah. uh, you know, because this starts off. It's very unusual. You know, it, it is for the most part a naturalistic film. However, you've got this this wonderful um, fantasy strand to it where you see, uh, you know, prayers reach in heaven and yes. you see a second class angel <laughs> or you hear should i say a second yes. class angel who basically wants to get his wings <laughs> and and finds that uh you know he needs to help this individual in order to earn his wings and uh, which i think is done quite nicely actually it is and the, <laughs> the thing as well is that uh, he's brought up to speed on the history of george bailey so the majority of the film is a flashback it is yeah no absolutely and and and, and a nicely done flashback because yeah. they they do it using um you know freeze framing the image and doing a bit of voiceover and then you know things of that nature which work out quite well but i mean we go back it, it, it transpires at the age of 12 george actually um saves his younger brother harry who um they're, they're basically playing on on a frozen lake playing on the ice and harry uh the ice breaks and harry falls into the pond and and, and george saves him but but through doing that he actually uh loses the the, the hearing in in one of his ears so um he you know our character is partially deaf i'm, I'm glad you brought up that bit because uh, first time I watched it, it reminded me of Sylvester Stallone's character in Copland. Oh, Copland! I love that film. Yeah. <laughs> because he had a, a similar affliction, didn't he? Because he did. He, yeah. Um, he saved the girl from drowning, and to uh, she was in a car, and to, to smash into the car, he used his head, didn't he? <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Damaging his uh, his ears doing it. 
Well, it's, it's interesting you say that because I think over the years, and, and I don't know whether it's one of those things, you know, as filmmakers that we kind of look for, but, you, you know, there are, there are quite a lot of movies over the years that I think have, have, have certainly taken inspiration um, from elements of, of It's a Wonderful Life. And, you know, many have compared It's a Wonderful Life to the Christmas Carol story anyway, saying that, you know, there are, there are of course, parallels with the... Uh, with the Scrooge storyline to a certain extent. Yes, yes, you're quite right. I mean, sort of jumping ahead a bit, because um, James Stewart, you know, instead of being visited by a ghost, is visited by an angel who shows him what his life would, well, what would have. The, well, it's not his life, but what the, other people's, um, yeah, other people's lives would be without him being there. Yeah, so I mean, you know, there, there, there are there are parallels, but I, I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I, I Copland you know, uh, by James Mangold is one of my, uh, one of my, well, a film I really like. I like all the actors involved in that. And I think that's some of Stallone's best work in his career, but Hey, that's a whole nother podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so uh, essentially, you know, he, he saves his brother. Um, you know, he, he is really a dreamer, this guy. And I kind of, I kind of get it in, in terms of, you, you know, I think, growing up when I wanted to be a filmmaker and all this sort of thing and wanted to go off to the States and, and that, I, I kind of get it. I, I had, I came from a sort of small family and, you know, a town down on the South coast and whatever, and, and had these sort of big dreams of seeing the world and doing all this stuff. So it, he is definitely a, a, a character. I think that many people can identify with. Um, but the thing is he, he's actually got a really good heart and uh, you, you know, he, he, he misses a lot of his dreams because of circumstance and because, you know, he, he, he essentially sort of sacrifices his own, not necessarily happiness, but, you know, he, he does what he feels is right. He has a very strong moral compass. And, um, yeah. uh, you, you know, we see this obviously, well, saving his brother, you would anyway, that's a given, but you, you know, that there, there, there are things going through that. There's when he's a kid, he's working for a, um, uh, he's working in a shop and the the owner of the shop had recently lost uh, his boy and was was co- quite depressed and almost uh, gave somebody the wrong medicine um, because he, he'd accidentally filled it with with something that would be poisonous as opposed to, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you know, um, as opposed to medicine um, and you know he manages to help him with that well it's interesting because in that scene he does he he runs off to his dad to go and ask him what to do and we are introduced in that when he gets there to mr potter who mm-hmm. is the um he is the rich old man who has plans for the whole town yes you know? and yes. he's doing everything to get his hands on the um is it building and loans? Exactly. Um, basically, yeah. yeah. George George's father uh, runs his own buildings and loans business uh, to try and help the you know to try and look after the community and help the working man and all this sort of thing. And obviously, as you've correctly said, um, uh, Potter, played by um, uh, uh, Barrymore, is 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 the uh, you, you know he's he's kind of the the middle class rich guy in town that sort of wants to you know control everybody and 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 you know take that over and uh obviously um uh george's dad is 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 you know for the people and running this small business and and you know much like much like his son you know clearly is a guy with a good heart and um 
you, you know, trying to do the right thing by people to, 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 to a big extent, I think, um, and trying to give them affordable housing and, and things of that nature uh, in, that pro in, in, that, uh, in that town. Um, what happens is, obviously, uh, George's younger brother, he goes off to, to college and, you know, is quite successful and, 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 and uh, later goes off to serve in, in, in the war as well. Um, and George ends up sort of staying on to run the, 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 the business of, of, of his then late father um, so that, uh, well, in many respects, so that Potter can't take over and get his hands on that. And uh, he runs it with his uncle. Uncle Billy, I think. That's, yes, it's Uncle right, Billy. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, 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 you know, uh, again, sort of does the right thing. A and life happens to him. Uh, you know, he meets he meets Mary, who is who's Donna Reed's character. Um, you know, there's a lovely scene where they sort of have their their um, first date. And, uh, you know, they, they, they end up they, they fall. They have that prank played on them by people at the high school and end up falling in the. Uh, in the pool and uh, yeah, who builds a dance floor on top of a swimming pool <laughs> i don't know but it worked well for the film didn't it yeah, yeah yeah it was funny watching that bit and you can see them dancing and you can and they're like oh we're doing really well and you can kind of tell that they're they're just sort of just you can see they're looking out in the corner of their eyes just so when they, they're getting closer and closer to that edge until they go in <laughs> no absolutely and uh you, you, you know um these guys, you, you know, they, they have they have some chemistry and, um, you, you know, has, as things progress, you, you know, they, they, they fall in love and get married. And, and even, you know, George being this good guy, even on the um, <laughs> even as he's about to to, to go on his honeymoon, um, they end up and, and, you know, Mary totally supports him on this, but they end up uh, being forced to use the money they've saved for, for for their honeymoon to help the local people that are with the company um with with the building and loan company it's that crash that happened um i think just before yeah it was the start of the depression wasn't it it was yeah yeah, yeah when yeah, the they don't say that wasn't... but they you know it's implied absolutely absolutely and 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 again you know um you know, George George puts the people first, uh, and, and as I said, I don't think he puts his people first to to the point that he doesn't put his wife first. I think you know she knows what he's like. That's what she's sort of fought, fallen in love with him for, and and she completely supports him on that. So um, well, that's it. Because I mean, what what happens is that um, that Mr. Potter has has bailed out the bank, and he's looking to buy. Um, shares off the people who have shares in the building and loans and of course they're desperate for money because you know without the bank because the bank's going to be closed for two weeks you know how are they going to live how they're going to pay their bills how they're going to feed you know themselves their families and they want to you know cash in their shares and sell them to mr potter and if that happens he will have a controlling stake what happens is that uh george bailey you know asks them not to panic and um mary then gives them the money that they got for their wedding to give out to the people as a loan so that they can you know carry on for those two weeks without you know selling their shares 
you know, and just doing without the bank. He protects the people. And I mean, it is a, it, a, that's a very yeah. good scene because, you know, you mm. get people, there are some trying to take the piss, but he's like, well, come on, how much do you really need? You know, how much can you get through the next two weeks with? And, you know, and they give it all away until they're, they're le- left with, I think it's a, a $1 and so many cents. I can't remember exactly <laughs> what it is, but, uh, you know, bless them uh, that they end up helping everyone. He gives up his honeymoon. Yeah, uh, to help the people. Much as he'd given up his traveling dream to obviously keep the business running after his dad died, so there's the you know yeah. he's he's always given up on on things you know you know for 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 the greater good of everyone else. Basically. But there is a there's a you know but there's a nice thing that happens that his two friends, the taxi driver and the cop, they um, escort him to um, this dilapidated building. And uh, he has his sort of honeymoon there. And then, of course, it then jumps forward in time to show that that building is now um, the Bailey home. Yeah, which, which uh, again, a lovely scene. I mean, it's lovely the way uh, Donna Reed's character in that, um, you, you, you know, has this sort of lovely meal and uh, everything prepared for him in this, in this you know, rundown, dilapidated home that, uh, um, you, you know, she's tried to make the best of you know so that they can enjoy their um they can enjoy their honeymoon and 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 build a life together and and you know that that again you know some could say it's a bit sentimental and unrealistic or whatever but i i actually think it's quite a uh quite a nice beat in the film i, I like well, it, it yeah because what what this film does well is that um when sentimentality comes along it's in between a lot of things that's that's gone wrong in George Bailey's life, as in like him not being able to go out into the world. So touches of sentimentality work. I mean, if it was sentimental all the time, but uh, yeah, it would be like, God, this is you, you just you would be it'd be sickly sweet. No, absolutely. And, and and you know, in the meantime, George here again makes another decision but stands by, you know, being right. He he starts um th- this affordable housing project for people. Yeah. Um, and he is tr- uh, basically Potter tries to sort of lure him away by offering him. I, I think at the time, um, uh, you know, George's character is still probably in his mid to late twenties by this time or something. But he offers him a ridiculous salary and a chance to. He dangles that carrot about traveling around Europe and whatever, um, you, you know, to, to to appeal to that to try and, as I said. Uh, win a majority off of him again but george you know stands by his guns and 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 rejects the offer which which um you, you know again is 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 very well acted and and by and performed by uh by by jimmy stewart on this and and then and then obviously we we start moving into the war years by by this point and um obviously you know, George is unable to enlist because of his his bad ear. You know, they they kind of do this bit via montage, and and I have to admit, this is the only bit which looks a little bit hokey. It is kind of very obvious rear projection and oh, whatever. Yeah. You know, to sort of make the the film's m- modest budget sort of stretch to something a bit more epic and grand. But you get the idea. It goes through yeah, that do, whole yeah. thing, yeah, and it, and it works um quite well. Um, and then and then it brings it up to more sort of recent, you know, the, the war has happened, the homes built. Uh, George now has, uh, uh, you know, is it two or three? It's three kids, isn't it, as well? Him and him and uh, Mary have kids. And um, his uncle Billy, 
is is basically going to deposit uh, £8,000 for the, the, the building and loan uh, company. Um, and I I can't, this, this bit's the little bit in the film that I do think is a little bit, heavy handed's not the word, but it's a bit awkward. I, I, I don't think it works as well as it could. And that's where um, essentially uh, Billy absentmindedly puts the money down somewhere and Potter gets it, doesn't he? Well, it's... what happens is that um, that when Uncle Billy goes into the bank, he sees Mr. Potter and that that day's headline was talking about the return the of, of George Bailey's brother. Yeah. And, it's, and it's, so he's putting this in his face. Oh, look, Bailey boy is coming home. Yeah. You know, a war hero. Yeah. And so what's happened, he gives him the paper, but what he does is that he was also holding the money in the same hand. So when he handed it to Potter, he gave him the money. Yeah. Potter finds the money in the, the paper and then decides to keep to it. To keep it. Yeah. The because then he knows that, um, you know, he it might have a chance of, you know, getting his hands on the buildings and loan. Yeah. Winning that business. And I have to say, um, I feel very sorry for Billy. Mm. um you, you know i i really do because you know he he's he he also is quite a good-hearted character i think and and fortunately they don't play him i think the actor's thomas mitchell played him and he doesn't play him as like a complete buffoon or dumbass or anything like that but um well, no, he's got um, memory problems. Yeah, so he yeah. always has string tied around his fingers to remind him. Yeah, like he, hence why he couldn't take over the business when um, when George's dad died. Uh, yeah. You know, he wouldn't have been able to run this on his own. And again, out of loyalty, you know, George sort of takes on to run the business with with him after a really good. I mean, I know I'm going back again now, but after a really good monologue, which is fantastic when he's when he's. Uh, you know, signing the papers shortly after his dad's death. And uh, yeah. he goes on to Potter about how they're sort of draining the life out of the uh, community and things of that nature, which is really good. And and I know lots of actors have, um, have actually used that monologue for, for their pieces. And it is really good. Although I've seen very few that don't try and do an impression of J James Stewart as they deliver it, you know, and it's like, yeah, yeah, make it your own, but it's a great speech. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so, so essentially we get into this and uncle Billy obviously loses this money at this point uh, is, is kind of when the, the guardian angel is, is sort of joining us or joining the, the, the world at that point. And um, you, you, you know, George, George is, is very depressed. He ends up sort of shouting not only at Uncle Billy, but also at his family that are getting ready for Christmas. Uh, you know, his daughter's learning to play uh, Silent Night on the piano. And he, you know, he, he, he shouts at her and, he, you know, he does a lot of things. I don't you know, he doesn't mean to do. But basically, he, he's, he's really stressed and depressed at this point. And he, he shouts at everyone. He goes out and he gets he gets drunk. Uh, he gets into a bar fight. He, he crashes his car into a, into a tree and he finds a bridge that, that he's about to jump off of and, and commit suicide. And, right. But, oh, oh, but, oh, but, but you need to back yes, up, you need to back up because yes, there is a, a there is a point. solid yes. reason why he's going to commit suicide. Life insurance. <laughs> because he um, he goes to Mr. Potter and he begs him 
to lend him the money because they've got a bank they've got the bank assessor there who's looking at their funds oh so um so yeah he he begs mr potter you know he he says he has life insurance and and at the house and everything for collateral and you know, mr potter just throws it in his face it's it's not enough well, Mr. Potter uses that line, "Why you're worth more dead than alive," yeah. you know, which is yeah. obviously the key, the key thing that makes this man who, who you know, does have a lovely wife and family, but you know, it's a, which, which is what makes him uh, contemplate suicide because, uh, you, you know, he would be, uh, you know, saving saving the community essentially. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so so this is where. Uh, you, you know, he gets to this 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 point where he's he's at the bridge and he's he's going to commit suicide. And his... so, can I just just interrupt you there? So, you you've sat you just sat through the whole film, and it's like you know hour and a half, and you sat through all this, and you've probably been wondering where is this leading? Well, the thing is, if you hadn't sat through all that, you wouldn't realize then what's going to happen next. So. The angel, he's a so Jim so George Bailey is about to commit suicide. You can see him standing at the bridge, looking at the river, and then the angel jumps in. And what does George Bailey do? Automatically, he goes in and rescues him. Yeah, like is what he did with his brother. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, even even to the last, even to this point where you, you know he's he's thinking of ending his life for the greater good of the community um you know he 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 jumps in to save you know a stranger essentially that 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 is uh that has gone into the water so he does and then that's when we get this situation where um uh clarence is the name of the guardian angel i've been sat here this whole time trying to remember the name of the guardian <laughs> angel hence why i sound distracted sometimes clarence yes <laughs> at this point clarence is able to um show uh george you, you know things that might have been different if he'd never been born and if he hadn't come and touched so many lives in the process and this is actually i have to say you know we were saying about how films we love kind of you know there are bits that remind us of this well this bit actually kind of reminds me i know we've already talked about back to the future but yeah in part two when um marty goes back to alternate 1985 and Biff oh, yeah, Tannen yeah, yeah. has changed time and 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 Owens World he's kind of in this when he goes back to what what is now Pottersville you know even the name yes. of the the town has changed to Pottersville it kind of the the way it's done actually I'm sure Zemeckis you know when he was making um Back to the Future 2 had had this as a reference it, it's quite similar in, in so much as he goes back and and you know things have changed, and um, you, you, you know the the town is now Pottersville. You know uh, Potter is 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 controlling everything, and, and you know certain things have changed and hasn't happened because of his his absence. Mary, uh, she never did get married. You know she became sort of a spinster, and... which was which was funny because I mean Donna Donna Reed is a is a hot woman, beautiful, isn't she? yeah. <laughs> I was going to say beautiful woman, yeah. But if you want to go with hot, I'll yeah. allow that. Oh, beautiful, but, uh, beautiful. Yeah. yeah, and then, um, you know, poor thing. So she, she wasn't able to find a man. So suddenly she's all very, you know, wearing glasses and very prim and proper. And it's like... Mousy looking. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was like... Mm. 
that's a little bit of a hard bite. It, it was a bit of a hard bite, but I, they they had to make her look completely different from, you know, this confident woman that she is in the the rest of the film. Yeah, yeah. Which um, yeah. I mean, I I agree. That's not done brilliantly, but you get the idea. I mean, it's, yeah. it's kind. Of, bearing in mind, I I think you know conceptually for the time, this this film was probably something that the audiences weren't used to seeing this sort of thing done done in this way you know um so you know i guess with certain things they had to sort of hammer it home somewhat and of course you know they the pottersville is filled with like casinos and gentlemen's clubs and bars and stuff like well, that well this is it we <laughs> we've have skipped on a character called violet who was also another woman who had her eye on George Bailey. From a little girl, even. Yes, <laughs> yeah. But then so did uh, Mary as well. Yeah. But, um, yes, yeah, so played wonderfully by uh, Gloria Graham, who's, you know, complete flirt. And to tell the truth, if I had a choice between the two, I would have gone with Gloria. <laughs> You'd have gone with the flirty one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 not 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 the but, sweet one the flirt the, the dirty one yeah 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 <laughs> the fatale of the two yeah but yes you 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 do see her um i think as a prostitute yeah it's not said it's not she's, said she's, but it's certainly but she's implied, been yeah. dragged away by the police isn't she no absolutely no. <laughs> so yeah so you have this you know this this sort of nightmare really for george bailey because nobody knows who he is he knows who they are but nobody knows who he is yeah he never existed so nobody so. knows yes and and you know things suddenly all these lives that he touched uh throughout his life you, you know um you, you know are very different and uh yeah and not necessarily different for the better <laughs> so but once but once he uh once he gets back to the bridge, um, he's uh, he's back. Oh, one he's other not... thing. Yeah, sorry. One other thing though that's that's quite important. The um, the, the 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 druggist guy who he used to work for, the shop owner yeah. guy, uh, obviously did accidentally poison a customer, and obviously went to went to prison for manslaughter that's quite key i think because that's that's a a life that changed quite uh dramatically because of because of not having his intervention so uh... yeah yeah well i, I think most people would yeah because it, it's it's built up so well the whole flashback that you know it, it's great that each character that you see you see in this nightmare sequence and you see the changes that they've gone through Yes. I mean, as a script, it's a very good script. I mean, really good script. And um, but so he comes back. He's back from from this nightmare. He's back in the real world, and he has a new leash of life. And Appreciates feel, everything. Yeah, this is the feel good moment of the year, everybody. Well, this, this is the Scrooge like <laughs> moment, isn't it? This is the yes. kind of um, you, you know, that sort of revelation of of of, of embracing embracing life and embracing what he has and um yeah i mean this is the you know many could argue that the the, the the sentimental end to the film but you know it's it's very effective and it's very well, moving it's earned hmm? this is the thing that this film earns that ending yes it does totally it earns that ending because yeah. it's up to this point it's been quite tough yeah 
you know as i say it's not an easy watch sometimes because you feel so much for the the george bailey character i mean i relate to the i can relate to him at some point you know the idea of not being able to follow your dreams because of duty duty to your family duty to others duty to your community but you know but we know that his from you know the the community rallies around to you know make sure that he has that money to to pay the bank and that everything's all right yeah no absolutely and we know from a scene earlier where um it's like an architect comes up to mr potter and's talking about these new homes that uh that george bailey's making for you know low rent ones and um you know and he says oh well i might be working for him in years to come yeah Uh. so in some ways seeding the doom for mr potter and then that ending even though we never see what happens to Mr. Potter. I was going to say, we never see him get his comeuppance and he, ne- no, he never gives know, the money back. We, yeah, <laughs> but we know that he's, you know, he's done for in that town. Yeah. I think if, 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 you, if they were to do a sequel, which I hope they never do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Potter's uh, Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> you, would, you would probably see Mr. Potter, you know, he, he wouldn't have any more control in the... the in the uh the, the town at all no and, you know. and what one other thing they do i mean obviously you know everybody comes back with the you know he's reunited with his family and everybody mm-hmm. from the town rallies together and and you know they say you know the, he's now the richest man there but one of one of the things that um clarence had always said was you every time an angel gets their wings you hear a bell ring, bell ring. and of course yeah. uh you have that bit at the end where where, where the bell rings and and they look up and they know Clarence is is now um has now got his wings and deservedly yes, so yes yes his <laughs> youngest daughter um <laughs> says it and oh bless her cotton socks she's not a very good actress is she well, no, but, <laughs> but, but, but there you go. We, we forgive her <laughs> it works so well and there's never yes. there's never a at this, at this point yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, I I I watch I watched this um recently. Uh, I I managed to uh, well, I finally invested on it on, on Blu-ray, and I watched it with uh with my mum one afternoon when my oh, when right. my dad was off at football watching Bournemouth kick Manchester United's ass. Um. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and uh, you, you know, I think both me and mum were there with streams flowing down <laughs> off in, in a darkened room. You know, it was like, oh dear. But yeah. Um, but but no, I I think you know you can see why it's why it's a classic. I, I think it's interesting that it didn't, you know, become a classic. You, or it didn't do well initially. Um, it was a film ahead of its time. Yeah, and it's a film that um, has affected a lot of other filmmakers and. Um, as as we said, that yeah, there's things from this film that have been copied in other films down the years. Big time, big time. Now, um, I do. Whilst we're on this, I, I know we've talked quite a lot in depth about it, particularly about the plot and whatever. But what, yeah. whilst we're here, I do want to raise a question, um, as yeah. I always like to, about cinema and film history and whatever. And that's and that's I don't know what your thoughts are on this. I have never watched this, although I do have a version of it, but I've never actually watched this colorized. I've always watched it in black and white because I'm I'm not sure how I feel about 
film colorization. I know they've done it with some of the Laurel and Hardy movies and it just kind of seems wrong to me in some respects. And I know Capra approved this one, but I, I just right. wonder what your thoughts were on and whether you saw it in color. I have not seen it in color. No, I've seen it in black and white. And um, I had no inkling to watch the colorized version because it, from from what I've seen, especially stills and stuff, it does look like somebody's got a crayon and just coloured in in between the lines because the colours are really, really weird. Mm. You know, very, very weird. They, they, you know, there's a phrase they use for um, CGI, uncanny valley. Mm-hmm. It's very uncanny valley right. when you see it. I mean, there's a... Just looking at the IMDb patch now, there's a there's a clip that's been colorized, and I can just I'm just looking at it, and it just looks horrible. Yeah, they they've got a thing on the Blu-ray which I watched about five minutes of, where you can actually it's a, it's a it's a split screen comparison, so it sort mm-hmm. of plays. In fact, you can actually play the entire film like it. You can play it in mm-hmm. black and white color or split screen, and oh, right. I watched a little bit just to see. And I mean, you, you know, I I don't think it's gone through several different colorizations over the years and over the digital process and whatever. But um, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's an argument, I suppose that if it opens a film up like this to, to a new younger audience, then is that a bad thing? Uh, Bearing in mind that a younger audience have a real problem sort of accepting things in black and white nowadays. And yeah, I don't know. I don't Do know what they? I think. I, I mean, know. I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's just this whole perception of, and I guess Hollywood in some way. Well, the kids aren't into black and white; they're into color. Mm. I don't know. I don't. I don't think people are. I mean, of course, there are the rare cases of people who, you know, anything black and white puts them off straight away. Okay, fair enough. You you don't want to watch a black and white film, then you're you're missing out. Um, colorizing it is I don't think going to help no. and um, you know um, yeah it's it's just this weird thing it's just like well you know we've we got to reach the kids today what can we do to I know let's make it 3D yeah yeah <laughs> colorize it yeah no it's funny and it? it's just yeah and the thing is it's why you know the, the, the whole look of this film looks great because it's such you know it's it's these nice crisp blacks and you know the the the, the white snow. Yeah, no, I falling. I think it totally it's, works. I mean, I, yeah, I'm being a bit of a yeah. purist, I guess, about it, but I I just I just haven't you know I've seen the film many times as I saw it on the big screen that was in black and white, and you know I've owned it where I've been able to watch it in color, and I just mm. choose to I don't know I enjoy it in black and white. It feels right, and it. It's just like, as I said, with Lauren Hardy or something like that. I can't imagine watching those in colour, really. It's it's kind of, it's almost like saying, imagine if they put Psycho in colour. My God, you know. Um, <laughs> but, but It's like them saying, let's remake Psycho shot for shot. Yeah. Oh, they did oh, that. Oh, who, who would have thought? <laughs> who would have thought? But, I mean, they did it. Um, I, I think we mentioned when we were talking about Carpenter one that, um, they, he did a commentary on uh, the, the thing from outer space, you know, Howard Hawks's version. Um, yeah. And uh, th- there's two versions. There's a colorized version of that on there, which, again, I didn't I haven't watched any of that. And I, I know they've even done it with um, 
uh, Night of the Living Dead and whatever, haven't they? They've yeah, done they've yeah, done yeah. coloured versions, but I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it, I guess that's a whole other podcast talking about things being changed after they've been made. Uh, we can really go into some examples of that, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just I just I for this for for me this film works as it was intended in black and white, and yeah, I think it should be watched that way, but. It certainly puts you in the Christmas spirit anyway. Indeed. It is a, a, certainly a treat for Christmas. Indeed. Indeed. Right. Let's let's delve back into the Christmas set hey. and bring out my selection for Christmas movie. Oh, heaven. it's a good one. <laughs> so um, I saw this film uh, when it came out on video. Mm-hmm. And, Me too. Um, I've, I've, it's actually a film that I watch every year at christmas without fail and that is scrooged yay yeah bill murray (laughs) good old bill murray we love him and and and, and, you know um somebody who i always think is is somewhat of an underrated director actually richard donner who who does a has done a great job on this as he has with uh many of his other movies um you, you know that we that we know and love but uh yeah no, I, I agree with you. I saw this back in the day on, on VHS and I sat down recently to to rewatch it for the podcast. And I have to say, enjoyed every minute of it and, and felt totally ready for Christmas after watching this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's great. It's a modern retelling of um, of. Uh, well, it's not Scrooge. It's uh, <laughs> a Christmas Carol. Yes. But uh, uh, but it's based up so they've updated and they've made um ebenezer scrooge into frank cross frank cross is the youngest executive (laughs) at this um tv station and um what's the tv station again oh god uh now you're asking hold on see if i can find that because it's um because they they have like the company logo and they'll go you'll love it Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, IBC Network. That's it. Yeah. IBC Network, which means and... something completely different to me nowadays. Working <laughs> international broadcasting conference, <laughs> <laughs> which is not. It's much. So um, he is the youngest executive of a of a TV station, and they're preparing for Christmas. And it's wonderful how this film starts because it starts in. Um, it's it's it starts off in it throws you for a loop because it starts off with your you see Santa Claus's workshop and you see Santa getting ready to go out for um to deliver Christmas presents when a missile comes in <laughs> <laughs> and they start pulling out machine guns and getting ready for bad guys. And who turns up? Yay! Lee Majors. The six million dollar man. <laughs> Yay! Yes. No, I love it. I love it that Lee Majors makes a cameo in this film. I think that's amazing. Oh, there are some, <laughs> some wonderful cameos in this. And um, <laughs> I love what Santa says to him. Lee's going, Santa, you're too important. Uh, get out the back. I'll cover you. And he goes, Lee this is one Santa that's going out the front door. (laughs) (laughs) And of course it's for a a Christmas special called the night, the reindeer. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I love it. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then <laughs> you see a couple more um, uh, promos, which one of them always gets cut on TV. This is this is the thing about this film is it gets shown at Christmas every year during the day, and it gets cut oh, heavily. Yeah, and that is father loves beaver yes yeah that is it is oh I, that's what every dad was, wants for christmas isn't it let's be honest it, it's um uh, it's just a, it's very quick it's just a piss take of like a 50s sitcom with a uh, you know with a young boy going where's dad and the mothers go well you know he where he always is <laughs> chasing beaver <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a shame that gets cut out because that is very good. Yeah, yeah. I do love these. I do love these sort of false opening type films. You know, I mean, we've we've had it in more recent years with like Tropic Thunder and whatever, where they have the trailers for the upcoming films and stuff, which are always brilliant. You know, because they're little projects in themselves, aren't they? (laughs) Yeah, they are. But I mean, uh, sometimes they don't get shown if they're shown on TV. Yeah, they go straight into the film. Boo. 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 We don't like that. Reversioning. <laughs> nah, don't do it. Yeah. Anyway. So you see that uh, the board of executives are reviewing the commercials for their Christmas program, their, you know, their schedule. And uh, Frank Cross asks to see the Scrooge promo. Now, Scrooge is their big show. It's going live. It's They've got satellite from Helsinki. They've got the biggest blessing ever. You know, it's all this massive razzmatazz. I think the, the equivalent of it now is these live pantos that they do yeah. on American TV. Yeah. Because we had uh, Christopher Walken do Peter Pan, I think, like two years ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, they, and they've got wow. John Houseman. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so um the the so the Scrooge promo is very um you know it's um it's very very homely it's very um you know it's very old fashioned and of course Frank Cross hates it he thinks it's terrible it's like you've got was it you got America's favorite old fart sitting by a fire <laughs> Yeah <laughs> and he's like I was to make a trailer, I'd make something like this. And he puts on this horrible, you know, it, it's like a trailer for uh, a horror film. You know, <laughs> acid rain, <laughs> drive-by shooting, drug overdoses. <laughs> this Christmas, you will learn the true meaning of Christmas. And then you see this nuclear explosion and then the word Scrooge appears. Yeah, I was And he's like, <laughs> he's like, you know, your life might depend on it. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there's a beat in this in this opening mm. in this part with the execs that um, I, I love because you know, obviously, I love the way Bill Murray plays it, but also yes. it sums the character up visually just with this one thing, and that's when he opens his drawer and there's a mirror, and he checks himself. And smiles at himself just before he addresses them. And it's just like that little beat there says so much about the character straight away, doesn't it? It really does inform the character very, very well. And um, it does. I love that. I love that beat. And obviously, I love the way that um, that Murray plays this. I mean, he, he's he's just, 
yeah, he's just in his element in this film completely, isn't he? It, it, it's like it couldn't be more perfect for him, this film. Exactly. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Out of all the execs at this meeting, uh, only uh, Elliot Loudermilk is the only one who sort of speaks up about that advert. Played about... by the wonderful Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs> yes, who isn't doing his usual, you know... Um, Zed. You know that kind of said <laughs> yes, that kind of really uh you know, really weird voice he does. He's still a bit bizarre though, isn't he? he yeah, is bizarre, yeah. but yeah, it's yeah, not. but I mean I think it's more it's closer to him than it is to like the Zed character you say from Police Academy. Yes. <laughs> so he gets so he he gets fired. But it's Christmas! Oh. It's Christmas. Thank and, you. Um, poor poor guy, he thanks the security guards who uh who uh, who escort him out the building, and while uh, Bill Murray, Frank Cross, is watching this all the time through a telescope, and he's like, "Yes, new record." He's loving out it within yeah. a minute. He's loving yeah. it, and I love the bit when uh, Elfie Wood Woodard is, you know, uh, Grace, I think her name is, his secretary yes. says, "You know, but sir, it's Christmas," and, and he goes, "Thank you." Core payroll, you know, he's timing yeah. on that and cancel his bonus or whatever. That, that, yeah. That's absolutely brilliant timing. It's just like, oh, you, you couldn't have done that better. It was like. <laughs> so you're you're introduced to more characters. You're introduced to his brother who, um, you know, who is actually his real brother. It's actually, um, trying to think which Murray brother is because there's, there's actually like uh, three of them. Oh, it's, uh, I think it's John Murray. Who plays uh, his brother? Is it? Oh, okay. I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, because his dad is also played by his brother. Ah, <laughs> it's a Murray affair. It's a Murray affair, indeed. <laughs> it's a Murray affair. But more on that. Well, hey, uh, anyway, that's the he's... industry, man. Nepotism. <laughs> what can I say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so his his brother is, you know, he's completely different. He's a lovely guy, and um, you know, he keeps inviting him round for Christmas dinner, which he keeps, you know, he doesn't do because, you know, he's a busy man. He's, you know, top of his game. And he's got, you know, he's got a, a TV station to run. And, of course, he's got, you know, this big production on his hands. And it doesn't help that um, his boss, who's played by Robert Mitchum. Oh, brilliantly played a, by Robert it, Mitchum. Is a, he's a bit of a loon, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's fantastic. He's like, the thing about cats. Cats, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, yeah. like pet appeal. I'm not, you know, let's put in some um, shows, you know, maybe have like a Kojak character who who dangles a piece of string <laughs> <laughs> and then comes up with the idea for door mice. Yeah. It's like Bill Murray's Frank Cross goes, wasn't there door mice in Scrooge? And he's like, yeah, great idea. And you could, it's, you know, once he takes this report off him, you know, um, <laughs> you see Frank Cross's <laughs> reaction was like, Oh, I just I'm looking forward to the day I take over from this guy. <laughs> yeah, no. as he say, I can't. It's a shame I can't fire you, isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I mean, it, you know, Robert Mitchum, you know, he plays this sort of barking mad, um, you, you know, media boss in this. But yeah, he does it so well. I, I think I think this is a great performance by a great actor. But yeah. It's very much like his um, character in Dead Man in some sense right right that he's somebody who's in charge and you know he's just he does things his own way 
Yes. <laughs> interesting, interesting comparison, but I like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just missing a shotgun. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so you're introduced to all these facets of his life, and uh, of course, um, we also have a character played by John Glover, who his his he sees him as a uh, his opposition opposition doesn't he he's yeah curious to know why this guy's here and we find out later that he's there to help and he is a bit of a, a la scumble isn't he totally yeah no i mean yeah. john yeah. glover another great actor and uh mm. yeah he um he plays he plays this part very well <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean it's not that he was a slime ball or anything but he's polar opposite to frank cross where he actually comes across as a nice guy that people actually like and listen to and they play this a, a lot throughout the film because as um, as we get into the Christmas Carol part of the story, you see Frank Cross kind of losing it more and more. Big time. That's, this is the fun of this film is that, you know, uh, Frank Cross, is he does feel like he's going mad because he doesn't, he's not quite sure what's real and what's fake. I have to say there's, there's one bit, again, that always gets cut. Is the bit where he steals the cab off the old lady? Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. He's like, my. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, excuse me, I think you dropped something there. Yeah, and then you he know, jumps and in her cab. And, cab, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. And she's like, you bastard. Yeah. <laughs> well, he is a complete and utter in in this, and that's just yeah. what is what is so good about it. I mean, um, and, and with a story like the the Christmas Carol story, you know, you can. I mean, it, it's open for this sort of exaggeration and it actually works quite nicely for this piece. And I think, I think one of the things they do really clever with this is the ghosts, um, yes. you know, and the way they cast those is quite well, amusing. And also the, the, the effects as well, because uh, he is uh, visited by the ghost of his old mentor and it's uh, John Forsyth. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> from from dynasty fame at the time. <laughs> well, also voice of Charlie's Angel. Well, there you go. Yes, Charlie. Yes. Charlie, and a, he plays a character called Lou Hayward, who was um, Frank Cross's old boss, and he had died of a heart attack on the golf course. So when he turns up, he's <laughs> dusty. He's wearing his old ghost. Uh, sorry, his golf uniform, and um, you know he is a walking corpse. And Frank's first reaction is to shoot him, and you get the whole, you know, that lovely kind of cartoon effect where, when somebody gets shot, that water starts pouring out of the, uh, the out of their body. Yeah, no. and he does say, um, you know, hey Frank, I don't mind you taking it out on me, but just watch out for the Bacardi. <laughs> <laughs> His uh, character is a, is a man who, you know, he sees himself as you know, a, a legend, a man who invented the miniseries, you know, was it, he says, I was, um, I was looked up by men. I was adored by women, which Frank goes, you pay for the women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And so he tells Frank that he's going to be visited by three ghosts that he has to change his ways that, um, otherwise he will end up like himself. Um, I guess kind of stuck in limbo or or a ghost walking, you know. Yeah, or just dead. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um yeah, so after that he's very much on edge. I mean, especially when you get dropped out of a 
Oh, he window. gets hung, which I, I really like that effect, actually, where, mm. um, yeah, he, he's picked up and he's sort of pushed through the glass and hung out of the window. Yeah, uh, I thought that and was really well And, of course, really well Lou's done. arm breaks off and he falls. Yeah. And it's this wonderful cut where he lands into his chair. Yeah. And it just, it works so well. And, of course, um, he, f- he still thinks it's a dream until he pull- he has a was it? He has a drink and then he pulls out a, a golf ball out of his mouth. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, again, all of this stuff looks really good because one, one of the things, you know, again, you know, I, I can wax lyrical a lot about Richard Donner. I really like him as a director. But obviously, you, you know, because because of all the work he'd done developing the, the, the Superman franchise and whatever, he he is very used to filming and directing for special effects and um you, you know it it works really well in this film all of those sort of sequences are tight you know and his choices of shots work really well yeah because you, you know they just show enough no absolutely it looks in fact you know i, I thought to myself considering you know, this film was what, 1988? Was it 88? It was 1988. Yeah, yep. he, he made it between yep. the sort of two Lethal Weapon films, didn't he? I think, and uh, it, it, it was, it was. Um, I, I think actually, really sort of, you know, apart from the fact you can tell it's 80s because of you know various fashions yeah. or whatever. It, in terms of actually a film, how it's made, I think it really holds up. You know, all the visuals and everything still really work. It doesn't look hokey. No. It, it looks really good. You know. Oh, it does, and and also it's it's all because of the central performance. Oh, Bill Murray. big time! He's he's big he's time. wonderful yeah. in this. This is one of his. This is him at his absolute best. I mean, he's done loads of great performances, but this is one of his uh, one of his strongest. I think actually, it's yeah. really good. Yeah. He he's certainly he, he, you feel like he's reveling in it. Mm. He's really enjoying being like this nasty character. Well, his sardonic humor sort of suits yes. it well doesn't it it really does he's great you know i still like the what is it about the reindeer hans on the back well have you tried staples <laughs> oh god yes well what happens at the end of um the scene with his old boss is that the phone starts dialing and it goes to the answer machine of claire who used to be frank's old girlfriend played by karen Alley. yes we love you karen and... yes <laughs> and and she turns up on set the next day and uh, we get this whole nickname is called lumpy <laughs> which that that bit where um the the guy was having the problem putting the antlers onto the <laughs> mouse goes uh, uh lumpy or mr lumpy <laughs> was it he says oh lumpy and he's like i'm called mr cross round here <laughs> yes what and you can tell he's he's having the stress of the experience the night before and having to deal with this production and having to deal with the sensor as well (laughs) is brilliant (laughs) some great moments was it um oh yeah because um she's worried that the the dancers they have there um they they, their their nipples are (laughs) through this costume and he goes, look, and he asks like the uh, the techie guys <laughs> and and they, they say, oh, no, we can't see it. And he goes, and they're looking really hard. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 great. Those moments are great. I love the whole behind yeah. the scenes stuff because, you, you know, the, yes, they're playing very much on stereotype technicians and whatever, but it all works. It's such a great shorthand to the whole thing. It's 
brilliant yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so um yeah i mean love that stuff and of course you you get to see a bit of chemistry between him and uh claire even though he's still trying to deal with all his other stuff i mean especially the fact that people keep hammering <laughs> <laughs> yeah he keeps going will you stop the hammering <laughs> But um, yeah, so we get a glimpse into his past, but uh, with everything going on, she she has to leave and she gives him his card and she goes and then um, he goes to a restaurant to have the meeting with his boss. And also uh, they are joined by John Glover's character. And um, and of course, he's been told to expect the first ghost at midday and he starts seeing things. He starts seeing like a, an eyeball in his and drink. Yeah, yeah. And a man on fire. I know, <laughs> which is wonderful. Is he's, he's like, <laughs> you know, he does look like he's having an absolute mental breakdown, and the and the the waiter, this like very British waiter, is going, oh no no no, it's a, it's supposed to be on fire, sir. So. <laughs> yes, yeah. And I love the whole, you know, throwing the uh, throwing the water over him and then tripping as he goes out the door and all that. It's all very well done. <laughs> it's very well done and this is when he's in, he meets the the ghost of christmas pass who's a cab driver <laughs> uh played very well by uh david johansson i believe that's his name and um yeah he's he is uh I, he's very good i mean he's he looks like a, a like a, the filthiest elf you've ever seen yes yeah, absolutely. You know, he's smoking a cigar, his teeth all dirty, he's, he's dirty. The smoke uh, comes out of his ears. Out of his ears, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, he he goes, drive me home. And he does. He drives him back home to see his um, parents when he was a kid. Yeah, I like the fact that the meter ends up being the thing, the year, and it and it counts back in time and all that. I quite mm. like that. You know, it's, it's a game. And it, this is before they go in. Frank Cross goes, "Oh, I get it. This is the bit where I see my mum and I start crying." And he goes, "You know what, kid? When Attila Hun saw his mother, Niagara Falls." <laughs> and um, that line, Niagara Falls, I've used so many times. Yeah. In life, I've used that. I used to uh, use that on my nephew, um, and it used to make him laugh. For reasons I'm not going to go into, but <laughs> <laughs> Niagara Falls, and so yeah, so he sees his mum, and he's there watching TV, and of course his dad turns up, who's played by his brother uh, Brian Doyle Murray. Ah, oh, right, okay, yes, the other family connection. Yeah, yes. yeah. Who played the mayor in Groundhog Day? Right, and it's like a proper sort of blue collar working class yeah. background, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And of course, he's he's bought him some meat, doesn't he? And he's like, um, <laughs> was it his mum says it's it's time to uh, for bed, Frankie darling. And you just see you see Frank Cross just crying. You see he's trying to hold it in, but you start crying, and you just hear the, the ghost goes up to him. He goes, Niagara Falls, Frankie darling, Niagara Falls. <laughs> and then he they have they come out and they have this um, wonderful argument. Because um, he accuses Frank Cross of not actually having a life when he was a kid. And he says, you're wrong. I remember that time when I ran down the hill with the flowers, that girl. And he's like, no, that was Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> oh, yes. There's all the, yeah, there's all the TV <laughs> culture references, aren't there? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I remember saving the, the game. It's like, no, that's this show. <laughs> he's like, you're pathetic. You're so pathetic. And... Of course, they jump into the future 
I think is it they they go straight to um the the office where he's working when he's at TV. That's right. Yeah, when he's like yeah. supposed to be yeah like eighteen. Yeah, and how or they made him yeah. to look younger? They've made his hair longer and more out more sort of buffeted yeah 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 again it's a bit like it's a wonderful life and that thing in the fact that you kind of you you know you're on the journey with them so you kind of buy the fact that he's clearly you know late 30s and not 18 or whatever but yeah yeah you buy you it, buy it you go along with it in the in the fantasy of the story yes absolutely it's it. that and whole the... quantum leap thing <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see it let quite the loop. I mean Sam Elliott oh not Sam Elliott. Um Sam, Sam Beckett, used to jump yes. Sam Beckett used to jump into the bodies of other people and he would see himself reflected. And then of course you just you would see him in their clothes. So if he was playing a woman, he would see him dressed up as a Exactly. Woman. It was always good. I, I, like, that's a whole yeah. other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just have to, it's well, Christmas, I have to mention these things. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we get to see um, uh, him meeting Claire for the first time, uh, where he literally walks into a into a door. You know, he, he wins her over with his humor. Oh, totally. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah he's, I he's do hilarious. love the line. Excuse me, miss. Do you shop here often? If so, I could always walk on the other side of the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's good. Which you get another little touch where you see Bill, uh, Frank Cross and the Ghost of Christmas Past in the, the cab go bum, 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 to that line. Yeah. That's really, really nice. I mean, the fact that they actually comment on what they're seeing and stuff like that, you know. And then you see the breakup uh, because he he leaves, he decides that his career is more important than Claire is. Mm. And he does that with the, um, I was what's the dog show called? Oh, I don't know. Where he's dressed up as the stupid the dog, yeah. Dog, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't remember what the name of the show is. Uh, but yeah, so but he is he's dressed up as a dog, and um, his boss, you know, invites him round to you know to have dinner with him for Christmas, and uh, he decides to do this over going to with Claire and meeting with their friends. Hey, I can't comment on that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I do love the fact where he's sort of he's he's stuck there at the um on the show and you see the cab driver in the TV screen and he's like you see you around Frankie and then he just drives off and then you see the scene from Scrooge the the, the run through of Scrooge mm-hmm. and it's really well done the the way he keeps coming back to the to the TV show from the ghosts is, is very well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I like those sort of in camera transitions that they do with this is, is very effective. And uh, yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Again, That's down it. to some good direction there, Richard Donner. We like you. <laughs> yes. Anyway. So um, I think from there, he goes to see Claire to confront it, say it wasn't his fault, that it was her fault that she left him. And of course she's working at a mission where you know the the poor the homeless um go and it's i it's funny because you keep seeing uh bobcat golf voice character elliot throughout the film sort of you can see his sort of descent because each time you see him it's you know it's his wife and kids have left him and then um he he has some booze stolen from him from the ghost of christmas past and then, of course, you see him at the blood drive, and of course, he's he's there, very happy that he's got this money. But 
obviously they've taken too much blood and he faints <laughs> and as frank cross passes him you see some bum nicking his money so you can see you know poor guy you know he's really and it, it, there's a nice payoff to that there is a nice payoff to that which we'll get to but so he goes to the mission and uh, there's a wonderful scene where he meets the the three bombs and they, for some reach, reason, think he's Richard Burton. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. I love all of yeah. that stuff. Yes. <laughs> where they think he's rich. Because, again, that's done quite subtly in the dialogue. But it's absolutely yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. That they keep referring to, to him and in, 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 in referencing <laughs> films and all sorts of stuff, don't they? Which uh, which I think is really funny. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And there's there's one character with um, a, a gold uh, watch. I think it's Herman. Herman? I think it's Herman. He has like a gold pocket watch that he shows. And um, the nice thing about that scene is it's it's not a throwaway scene. It, it comes back into play later. It, it's kind of nice that all this stuff, which could have been thrown throw away in other films, actually has some sort of power. Yeah, in proper foreshadowing, film. but done yeah. very well. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, yeah. absolutely. So um, he he sees Claire and she's very happy to see him. I think she's, you know, she's she's very happy to sort of, you know, maybe rekindle this relationship. But Frank Cross just cannot. He cannot just sort of, you know, I don't know what it is, but he, he I mean, I think it's that the name is kind of apt because he has a cross the bear, doesn't he? Yeah. And he's very cross he's... most of the time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, he can't um, let go of his of his job, and you know, he's 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 a selfish guy. He can't let uh, Claire sort of get on with what she needs to do because, a bit like uh, it's a Wonderful Life, she's there to help the people. She's there for the community. And uh, they're, you know, they're having problems with fuses and stuff like that, but she has to deal with. It. But Frank wants her to to leave with him there and then, you know, go for a, for a meal or something. And um, he says to her, you know, just wipe them off, Claire. You know, you don't need these people. Just wipe them off. And again, those words come back to haunt him. Mm. They do come back to haunt him. But anyway, so he's. Um, he then meets the ghost of Christmas Present, played by Carol Kane. Who is as the bonkers. Most, <laughs> the most demented fairy ever. Yes. You know, she, she. this is a woman that not only deals out pain, but likes pain. <laughs> she keeps hitting oh, it's hilarious. Frank Cross with Richie stuff. punches yeah. him and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hits him with a toaster. <sighs> and so she takes him to see the events that are going on at, at the present. And of course, um, the first place they go is to um, his um, secretary's house, which is Grace. And you get to see the um, her son, who's a mute, who's the uh, Tiny Tim character. Tiny Tim, yeah, he's basically the 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 analog to Tiny Tim in this film, isn't he? Very much yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he unfortunately saw his father being gunned down, so he hasn't spoken since that event and it's not that he's mute it's just that he's decided you know that he he doesn't want to talk yeah and it's great when they they they, they've dressed him up as a christmas tree (laughs) yeah no absolutely i mean what what, one of the things one of the things um is a little aside but one of the things that i think um 
Richard Donner actually does very, very well is he he's very good at creating family home environments and making it feel you making us the sort of voyeur into it, but making it feel very um very natural between the actors. Um, you know, I mean he does that beautifully in the Lethal Weapon movies, but here, I, you know, I mean, Elfie Woodard's a great actress anyway, but the 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 the, the whole thing with her family, um, it, it obviously it's making a point and it's kind of hammering a point home, but you don't feel like it is. It or the whole thing feels very real and very naturalistic, and uh, I, I think he's he's very good at sort of setting that up where you you kind of get it and you almost feel like part of the family when you when you watch those type of scenes and I, I think he does it really well with her family in in, in this yes. you know even though the whole point is obviously hammering home the sort of whole tiny Tim thing with the with the son yeah. but the yeah. rest of the the other the brothers and sisters and and cousins or whatever they they all work really well in that environment as well and I think you know the, these sort of scenes in in something that's that's essentially fantasy these are the things that really ground it in, in the reality. And uh, I, I think that he, he did handle this scene very well, particularly when you've got someone like Carol Kane playing this bonkers fairy, you know, actually <laughs> in the scene with them. And that's the other good yes. thing, the fact that they yeah. actually show them in the scene um, watching what's going on around them, you know. <laughs> well, they, they also do um, well, what we call here in England. I'm not quite sure what it's in... Um in the states but doing raspberries so they they blow on their stomachs and stuff oh yeah yeah I, I don't know what they call that in the states that's a good question yeah well we call it the raspberries yeah remember there used to be a whole sketch on the two ronnies the raspberry killer. the phantom raspberry blower raspberry yes. blower. that's it thank you <laughs> yes. sorry the raspberry killer that's a bit too much isn't it for the two ronnies <laughs> yeah i don't know what they call those burpee i don't know actually that's a good question but there you go anyway <laughs> we, we digress sorry we do <laughs> but um yes uh we get to see his uh, younger brother at home uh they're playing uh triple is it triple pursuits uh yes it's they are some sort of i think they yeah, are playing it's, it's, pursuit, yeah pursuits, yeah because they're asking lots of questions and they're talking about the fact that uh frank couldn't be there again and there's the whole um tv questions um well, what was the boat that got um, the the crew to uh, Gilligan Gillian's Island? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, again, this is clever Minnow. foreshadowing, isn't it? Because yeah. this comes into yeah. play later. Yeah, you know, he wants to stay and <laughs> listen to the questions, but uh, the ghost of Christmas present wants to move on, and they actually have a fight, and boom, he, she knocks him out, and uh, he lands in a. I know it's kind of like a. A basement or somewhere like that. Yeah, they've got this running joke as well, haven't they? Where basically he keeps sending people his Christmas presents, just a towel with the with the with the logo of the network on. But people that are special get a get a VCR or something, isn't it? That's and right. He, yeah. And his brother got one, even though he wasn't supposed to be sent one or something. Is that right? That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, he says so. Yeah, you can keep the visa. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his that brother makes it. him. Yeah, well, his brother makes a a, a toast to him, doesn't yeah. he? And he, it's yeah. So you can start of see him starting to warm up a little bit, and 
but when he ends up in this basement, he finds um, Herman frozen. You know, obviously he couldn't find somewhere to to stay. He left the uh, the shelter, yeah, and, yeah, and uh, froze to death very quickly. I, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty horrible. This bit, actually. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you know he's trying to sort of, you know, he's talking to him. And he goes, "Hey, it's Dick." Liz says hi, you know, and he's he's trying to, you know, it, it, it's these little moments where you you can see that he's not a complete asshole, you know, that there is a bit of humanity to it, and there is sort of something there to save. Where he could have been a complete dick throughout the whole film, it would have been enjoyable, but I don't think it would have had the same payoff. No, no, absolutely, absolutely, it needs it needed that. So yeah, yeah. And of course, he tries to to get out, thinking that he's going to have the same fate. And uh, of course, he crashes onto the sets of the of the show, doesn't he? Yes, yeah. <laughs> and this wonderful bit where they're like, uh, you've got the John Glover character goes, "Who's that? Who's that?" And he's hiding behind a midget. <laughs> he just picks up this little woman and he's hiding behind. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Uh, so yes, we um, they're getting ready to do the show, uh, setting everything up. Um, Grace has brought um, her son with him, and he's watching the whole Tiny Tim stuff. And because they've got um, Mary Lou Ellen, who does you know, because he talks about not only does she throw away the crutches, she does a flip. Oh yes, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so he's up in his office getting ready for the show to start. And it's when he's visited by um, the ghost of Christmas future. And again, this stuff kind of gets cut because the ghost of Christmas future is, he's a scary dude. Cause he's got a TV screen for a face. isn't it? That's right. And big claw. Um... Yeah. And also when he opens the cloth, you can see these guys there. These like I don't know like trap souls. Or yeah, something. they're they're they're, they're, like, they're done sort of animatronic wise, aren't they? In this yeah. Show. I mean, nowadays yeah. it'll probably be CGI, but yeah, it's it. it that's quite. I don't effective. think it's animatronic. I think they were, I think they were just people in a very big, you know, they, it was probably shot for scale, so they a were massive probably people chest. in yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, easier done because you don't you, you it's a, it's a POV shot, so yeah, but I. I forgetting because Elliot Loudermilk turns up doesn't he with a shotgun yes ready to sort of take his revenge on Frank Cross yeah and he does this whole thing he's like you know he's ready to go wabbit where's the wabbit (laughs) (laughs) he's shooting at him and all this kind of stuff and of course he makes his escape into the lift and that's where he meets the ghost of Christmas future and they're they're in the, the elevator heading down you know, and each time they stop, they, he sees something of the future. So he sees that um, the Tiny Tim character is stuck in an asylum because, you know, nobody could help him, you know, and he didn't want to talk. And so the, um, I guess, the the great state of New York decided to stick him in the loony bin, <laughs> put him in a padded cell. I don't know why. I don't, yeah, that bit always always bothers me because forced, I don't think, I think it's a bit. Yeah, forced, but, but you, again, you get the you get the point. It's, yeah. it's, it's 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 yeah. a it's a bit like we were saying with um, 
some of the stuff they did in a, it's a wonderful life which uh, yeah you know. but then I, I also think it's the way it was shot as well it was kind of like a, a personalized hell mm. because the next bit when he see when he see claire but you know she's all rich and sort of painted oh it's yeah it's quite surreal it's yeah. quite yeah it's there's quite a, lot a bizarre um, and futuristic and you see thing, like these three street urchins from the you know from the 19th century going please they're going please and she's like you know oh get them away and then you have the whole thing about the whole line about you know just wipe them off mm. you know and um you know, as I say, that that line you see him haunting Frank Cross because he said that to him. You know, it comes back on him, and then of course the the last bit, which again is another scene that gets cut on TV, is when he sees um, he reaches the bottom of the of the lift, and he sees a coffin, and he sees um, his brother's wife, and he thinks immediately it's his brother. And then he sees his brother, who's you know he's a bit older, a bit fatter, a bit grayer. <laughs> and then he realizes it's him who's in the coffin, and he's there's nobody else there. It's just his brother and his and his brother's wife, and a priest. And the, he's about the the coffin's about to be cremated, and he tries to stop the coffin going in, doesn't he? And he he's really struggling, and you can tell he's like he, he's he's really not sad but he's he's frightened for him for himself and then of course he's then in the coffin with the fire and everything and that's the bit that always gets cut yeah because <laughs> that's really that's quite traumatic yeah yeah he's, he's trying he's banging he's trying to get out and nobody can hear him and... it's not what you want a youngster to see on christmas eve is it i guess <laughs> i don't know might open their eyes a bit <laughs> it's probably on right now as we record this podcast, right? <laughs> on Channel Four, yes. Yeah. Um, but of course, the 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 lift doors open, and he is he's flung out, and he's got a new lease for life. Yes. You know, he's it's it's now Christmas Day. I guess it must be midnight. Yeah. On Christmas Eve, when the show's going live. Well, one of one of one of the nice little touches they put as well. I mean, obviously it was a commercial thing as well for the film, but they had that yeah. um, uh, Annie Lennox and Al Green doing the "Put a Little Love in Your Heart" song. Yeah, we were we ain't got to that part yet. Let's 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 get to that. Yeah. Part. All right. All. <laughs> let's get to the sing along at the end. But yeah, but um, what I'm saying is, it's been foreshadowed yeah. throughout everything. Oh yeah, you, you hear that um, playing, yeah. you know, at the home yeah. of of his secretary, and you know, yeah. in the cab, yeah. and all sorts of things. So yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. But we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Trust me. So, um, uh, so when he comes out the lift, he still has Elliot Loudermilk to deal with, and um, he, um, you know, uh, he brings him over by rehiring him, also, uh, you know, giving him a pay rise. And also uh, by raspberrying him as well, <laughs> <laughs> which isn't gay. <laughs> it wasn't gay at all. <laughs> and they decide to hijack the show, and um, it's this wonderful bit where they they doing the bit where it's Christmas morning. Get the fattest goose you can get, and you see, um, oh, it's uh, Buddy Hackett who plays. Scrooge. That's right. Yes. 
and he flips the coin, doesn't yeah. he? And Frank Cross catches it. And they're all like, what's going on? And Elliot uh, Loudermilk is up in the control booth, making sure that nobody turns it off. And then Bill Murray, Frank Cross, goes into this whole speech about um, finding the true meaning of not only Christmas, but of his life. And, you know, that giving is better than, you know, being a dick. Yeah. Because it's it, that bit, I have to say, that's not the strongest part of the film. The, the, the what I enjoy about this film is, you know, Frank Cross being a dick. Oh yeah, yeah. But again, it's that it's that kind of the the over sentimentality of the end, if you like. Much like you pointed out with "It's a Wonderful Life," it, you kind of forgive it because it's earned um, through the rest of the film. So you kind of bearing in mind this is supposed to be a a feel good movie at the end anyway. So you kind of go with it, or at least I find I do as an audience member. I'm not sat there going, Oh, what the hell? This is bullshit. You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> you, you know, you know, you know, you know it, it kind of, it, it works for the piece and, um, yes. yeah. And it's yeah. nicely done as well. So yeah, yeah it's, it's very nicely done and it, it, it wraps everything up nicely. And, and so he's reunited with Claire who's driven there by the ghost of Christmas past. And you see the other ghosts there and you see Herman as well as a, a ghost fairy. He's, he's with Carol Kane's character anyway. And, um, and you see the uh, creatures inside. Um, well, you know, the ghost of Christmas future is death really, isn't uh. it? It is death. And you see them parting and everything. And this is where we get the the song at the end, the Annie Lennox. And of song. course, and John gets... Glover gets it on with the censor, right? <laughs> well, the censor gets oh, it on with John the Glover. Gets he's, it a bit, with John. he's a bit tied yeah, up. Oh, that's isn't right. He? Yes, he's been held at gunpoint <laughs> by, uh, <laughs> by Bobcat. Yeah, <laughs> that's why. And they like, they do this whole thing where in the if you were sitting in the cinema, they were trying to get you to sing along because you see um, Bill Murray breaks the fourth wall and he's with he's talking to the people in the audience and he wants to hear from the people on the left and on the right and he does say feed me seymour feed me which is a line from uh little shop of horror right right yeah well i mean there are little references through this aren't there to other other mm. um work which is which is quite nicely done again but uh yes. Yeah. But yes, um, uh, yeah, no, it is really a feel-good ending, and that that song complements it really well, doesn't it? Yes, um, it does. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's uh, it, it's a good note to end on with with that. Definitely. It is, and also just um, just keep watching through the credits because um, you see uh, Bill Murray come up for one little bit where you see the title and you see him just wipe it away from himself. You see him sort of wiping. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, in. like like the yeah. cleansing part. Yes. yes, yeah, yeah. And apparently, they did have a um, "You'll Love It," you'll spell U-L-E, "Love It" edition DVD plan that was never released, which is really annoying. Oh. It was supposed to have commentary by Donna and all sorts of extras. And for some reason, that's never materialized. So I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, I have to say, this is a film that has been criminally. Uh, served when it comes to DVD and Blu-rays, mm, vanilla it's always vanilla. It's I don't know why I, I would have thought this is the kind of film that they would people would would come on board and talk about. Yeah, I bought it for three quid new, just but I was only on DVD because uh, the blue well the Blu-ray was vanilla as well. So I thought, uh, wait till the Yuletide edition comes out if it ever does. <laughs> That's it. But if you've got Netflix, you can see the 
uncensored version on there. <laughs> cool. No, well, the thing is, the thing is, I mean, I suppose it's Christmas, you know, uh, we're in the Christmas spirit. And uh, on this one, definitely uh, no disagreements in terms of um, uh, the movie Heaven Picks. I, I think, you know, they are, they're both films that have totally set me up and, and got me ready for Christmas and uh, a classic in their own ways, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, unfortunately, we have to... Uh... Santa's taken his, the, the sack away with all the presents, uh, all the movie heavens goodies. And uh, Krampus has turned up to get those naughty boys and girls and those movie hells. So... Krampus, which was quite fun, by the way, the film. I've not uh, seen it. It's, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I want to see it. I mean, it's Krampus has had a, quite a turn this year, especially um, the, um, the Tales of Christmas. Oh, that's right. The there's a, there's a, yeah. yeah. The... Christmas yeah. Halloween yeah. story or whatever it was that called. Was, yeah. 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 The anthology of Christmas, Christmas horror, horror story. story. Yes. Yeah. With with William Shatner. with the great Bill Shatner. Yes, we love Bill. That's it. Ah. Uh, yes. So, um, Keith, what is your pick for movie? Wow, now? we're already ninety minutes into this special, aren't we? <laughs> it's like yes. Uh, and, and I've kind of, I'm kind of was so bored by this film. I almost don't want to talk about it. But, um, but my, <laughs> my, uh, my movie hell, I'm afraid, was um, from 1996. I remember I saw this on the big screen and was like, uh, uh, yeah, you know, it, it didn't do it for me. And I since watched it again. It was on television, thank God. So I was able to uh, sky plus it and watch it and uh it was hard work the second time round as well and that is jingle all the way which is uh, yes. a christmas family comedy um and this stars i mean the thing with arnie we all love arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> right he's brilliant but when, when he's bad he is bad and if he isn't yeah. if he hasn't, hasn't got good direction and he's being directed for comedy um you know, he, he can definitely play things a bit over the top, um, which, uh, yeah, the, the, oh, God, this film, it, it's, oh, God, I don't even know where to begin. I don't really want it, it, to, it's, it's just. Well, let me, I, I have an interesting story. Oh, please story tell me your story. Film. It might get me infused into talking about it. Go on. <laughs> so when this film came out, uh, back in 96 um, there was a, another film coming out I think the following year but this was the lead up to it and that was um, Star Trek First Contact and um, there at Wembley they were having a Star Trek convention and me and a couple of friends we wanted to go down there and we didn't book tickets online or over the phone like you used to do back in the day <laughs> before before everything we used to, before doing everything on the internet and um so we went down there and of course the whole thing had been cancelled it turned out that it was a massive con and not as in a con as in like you know they, none of the none of the cast and crew were turning up to this and somebody had made a lot of money and uh, i think i think they got prosecuted for it because you know, it was a massive fraud, I remember. Okay, so, so let turned... me understand that. So uh, anyway, you... so so my me and my friends, we turned up there, found out that it had been cancelled, 
And so we needed something to do. It was a Sunday afternoon. We had nothing to do. So we ended up going to the cinema and we went to see Jingle All the Way. When you were meant to be seeing Star Trek First Contact? Well, no, to see this Star Trek convention. We were there to see the stars of Star Trek First Contact. Oh, man, were you robbed? (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, when I first saw it, I quite enjoyed it. I it was very silly and I laughed quite a bit, but revisiting it, I did find it was really awful. And, you know, it's uh, the, the thing is so Arnold Schwarzenegger is playing a character who he's a father, but his work comes first. So again, he's kind of like a Scrooge character, Mm. you know, that he doesn't know the true meaning of life. And the true meaning of life is being there for his family and also making sure that he buys the stupid doll. Yeah, well, I mean, let, let, let's, let's, that, that's, that's a good kicking off point because essentially mm. you've got Arnold Schwarzenegger. He, he, is, he is married to uh, Mrs. Tom Hanks, Rita Wilson in this film. <laughs> and their son, oh God, is, is Anakin Vomit Skywalker, <laughs> uh, Jake Lloyd. Yeah, who, who's... Yeah, well, we should say um, Little Annie. Little Annie. Little yeah. Annie? I mean, I mean, the, the, the trouble is, and straight away, I kind of, you, you know, you, personally anyway, I, I kind of didn't relate yeah. to these characters at all because, it, you know, they're playing, a, a, you know, a middle-class uh, American family where it's all about, you know, money and, and, and you know, he's... He, this whole film is about you know he's gonna get he's gonna sulk because he can't get the latest toy. This film was made off the back that, off the back of the fact that uh, we had one Christmas. Well, we've had it many Christmases, but the one Christmas we had the Buzz Lightyear mm. toy that sold out, and that every family, every child wanted for Christmas. And of course, if you could get the doll, you were a hero, and if you couldn't, you're a zero. Yeah, it's it's. That was that was and so they they decided to make a story about that. They made it a story about a, a father who you know straight off the bat he can't keep a promise. He never turns up for things. You know he misses karate practice, and and he's you know the the wife has told him to go and get this doll, which he hasn't because he's too busy. You know Turbo to, Man. He, he's yeah. So he's too busy working and he hasn't got this doll. So he's got Christmas Eve to find this doll. And this is where all the the comedy hijinks come from. Because not only is... He's not the only one who's on the the hunt for this doll. Apart from a lot of other parents, there is this um, postman played by Sinbad. (laughs) And I have to say, his name is... It just sort of sums him up as as a comedian. He is a sin and he is bad. Ah, yes, yeah, well, he is awful. He is not. Well, I all. also think he was probably. I mean, he's he comes from a stand up background, and I think he was probably yes. uh, somewhat restricted by the the, the the script and obviously the I audience that if they anything, were going to aim this at. You know what I mean? If anything, I think he was unscripted. He goes off on these all these tirades and everything about you know you know corporate america and trying to make you buy this crap even though he he's running around you know he's talking about you know his wife 
you know, the mother is child banging everybody else in the post office but him <laughs> you know it's just like whoa. whoa yeah no exactly it's kind of um yeah yeah uh it's it, it sort of you know it, it sets up this 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 turbo man character they they kind of do it at the beginning um yes one of these sort of uh episodes of, of of like like a sort of film type thing with turbo man rescuing the day and using his gadgets and his powers and whatever to to defeat the 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 evil um nemesis who i can't even remember who that's played by it's somebody well known and it's gone completely out of my head but um uh well no it's it's not isn't it? i thought well, it was man. for no. some reason no, oh okay maybe no, not but it's it, it, i god what's the Oh no, he's got he's got some character name. I mean, could it be Darth Vader for we know? <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's just uh, I don't know. If we're going down the the Toy Story path, I mean, it's probably the um, Emperor Zorg from you know um, uh, Toy Story Two. Yeah, you know, it's that kind of character. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he. Uh, so he goes from toy shop to toy shop and, you know, the first time he, the, the first shop he goes to, you know, they're all, it's very reminiscent of Black Friday where they're, they're all waiting outside to get into this toy shop. And once they do, they start running and, you know, yeah, tripping it, over each it's other. It's weird though. Like it's weird how they chose to do it because on one hand you could say, you know, is this kind of like, is this kind of poking fun at the mentality of, of, of materialism America or whatever, but they don't really, I don't know, but they, they kind of almost do it. I don't know. Seriously is not the correct word, but I, I just didn't feel the sense of that. There, there doesn't seem to be a sense of irony about this, which there should be. Well, no, because they, they ram it down your throat big yeah. time, especially with the Sinbad character. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's, you know, it's kind of, and I don't know it. It also, again, maybe I was just not into it when I was watching it or something. But it it, it almost felt inappropriate in places because you, you know you kind of see him. It looks very risky. You see Arnold like literally chasing oh. kids around in a in a sort of playground <laughs> trying to get this this because they do it by lottery don't they by ballot that's <laughs> right so they they get wind that there's a, a store's got a, a a late delivery of turbo men and they get there and they do a lottery and they decide to do lottery by giving out these um bouncy balls and of course the crowd is so unruly that they decide to dump them on the floor and so they go everywhere and arnold actually ends up chasing this one ball instead of staying there maybe fighting a few people off and just grab it off them he chases this one ball around the, the whole shopping center which i don't know felt like they were trying to take the piss out of um of his character uh major matrix in uh commando <laughs> yes well you expected him to like grab one of the decorations and swing across yeah i don't know but it it, it did seem to, it just when I, when i was watching that that kind of that was the kind of thing that sprung to mind especially seeing him running around a, a shopping mall but yeah there's this whole bit where this little girl gets the ball and he's got and you and you just go oh no 
you're not gonna chase after this little girl. I mean, this I, I don't know six year old. Yeah, it just I don't know. Well, it it just, must be younger because she's been pushed around in a pram. Yeah, it just felt. And a bit... he does. He goes. He he runs around on this like you know climbing frames and stuff. You know, with great hilarity, banging his head. And um, yeah, I, I... and then when he finally corns her, she puts it in his ma- in her mouth, and he goes to take it yeah. out of there. And you're like, oh my god! <laughs> and I. I, I have to say, this is the, the best decision the filmmakers made at that point. He started getting hit by handbags by concerned mothers. And I'm like, thank fuck. Yeah. yeah. I did not want to see, you know, Arnold shaking a little girl trying to get this ball out. No, of no, it did seem, no. I don't know. It, it just kind of, I mean, maybe I'm just down on the film. I don't know. But it, it just all seemed a bit, I, I can't describe it. it. It's, it's forced. Just, it's very forced. Yeah. And it's, it's everything is it is done for comic effect i mean the fact that but you, it's not funny. after this sequence he goes to a, a warehouse full of santas with james belushi as one of them yes yeah. yes that's right yeah and and of course it, it's a fake it's like a a chinese knockoff <laughs> that breaks and of course he tries to leave without paying and then they have a fight yeah he goes up against the santa ninja with um candy canes as nunchucks and then he comes up against a giant who punches a midget that goes flying across the room. Yeah, it just all seems a bit I don't know. And and then after the fight is broken up by the police, he convinces them by using a toy, a toy ID. police badge yeah. <laughs> that he's an undercover cop. Yeah, no, I mean it, it, right. it, 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 it's it's ridiculous beyond ridiculous. You've also got yeah. this this continuing story thread that's set up at the beginning when he's trying to get to his son's karate class where he gets <laughs> oh, pulled yes. over by a uh, motorcycle cop and yeah. um oh, again it, 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 it oh it's so you know I, i'm sorry I, I love arnie but when he's not good it is cringeworthy and this is um and, yeah, uh, and, and 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 basically, basically, uh, it's I think that's played by Robert Conrad or somebody like that. It is and, played by Robert. Yeah, Conrad, and yeah. Um, they've got this. Uh, you know, this guy keeps throughout the the course of him trying to find this toy and go on all these different things. He always seems to like, you, you know, end up coming into contact with this guy. Yeah. He knocks his bike over at one point when he's off getting a coffee and. You, you, you know, th- this sort of happens, but I don't know. The whole thing for me, tonally, um, it, it was just very, it was very heavy handed and very cringeworthy. And I just, I personally, I didn't find it funny at all. I just thought it was just bad. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, also, you add into the mix uh, Phil Hartman playing the very helpful neighbor who's trying to make the moves on uh, Rita. Absolutely, Wilson, the you know? ultimate slime yeah. ball. Yes, he's being oh, like God. Mr. Perfect, trying to, uh, yeah, uh, make his way around all the wives in the neighborhood and particularly focused on um, on, on Arnie's missus. Yes, on Rita yeah. Wilson. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think that the only a good thing that came out of this film was the line put that cookie down yes because he's on the phone trying to speak to his wife and um phil hartman picks up the phone as if you know this is his place and uh he's talking about his wife cookies and all this stuff and he and because schwarzenegger wrote, shouts down the phone put that cookie down <laughs> get down <laughs> and somebody turned it into a like a a, a music tune 
somebody turned it into music where they put that cookie down, put that cookie down. <laughs> and it's probably funnier than the whole film. Altogether. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you, you know, through a series of, you know, one sort of embarrassing event after another. Uh, I mean, there's that whole bit where they try and do a bomb scare, if memory serves. Oh, right. This is in the radio station. So, um there's a there's a heartfelt moment where um arnie has shouted at his son little jake lloyd which uh, we all want to do because <laughs> <laughs> he keeps going on about turbo man he also say oh uh turbo man says you always must keep your promises and uh of course he doesn't want to hear about it because he's had it up to here my hand at the moment is above my uh-huh. head with Turbo Man, <laughs> and um, and sort of shouts at him, and of course instantly regrets it, and then has a heart to heart with Sinbad's character, where in the middle of this, uh, you see Jake Lloyd sitting in his place, and he realizes if he doesn't get this doll, that his son is going to become Sinbad. <laughs> that is, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a fate I wouldn't want any child to go. Through. Yes. Becoming a mailman. That's the ah, dear oh dear. Turbo Man, they have to name um, all the Santas. Oh, that's it. right. And oh, a horrible and, chase takes place, doesn't yes, it? To get yeah, to that. Yeah, they, they, it, because um, Arnie does call up the station, he gets through, but uh, Sinbad uh, disconnects it, doesn't he? He pulls the phone out of the, uh, uh. out of the, out the the socket or whatever and so they race down to the so that oh yeah the helpful restaurant owner tells them that the radio station's just yeah 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 again run very poor but yeah yeah and they they rush there and of course um that's where this uh yeah bomb scare comes in (sighs) but again there's no real um turbo man doll there they have a token to get one in the new year but then it's too late. If you don't get it for Christmas, you're a zero. Yeah. Not a hero. Yeah. No, absolutely. And then, um, yeah. you know, this just, this just, it's, it's just one, I mean, you, you know, as, as you can see, I'm, I'm even struggling to, to, uh, to yeah. tell the plot because I kind of really lost interest. I mean, it was one, one thing after another, but not, not, it not is. in a way, yeah. not in a way, or personally for me anyway, not in a way that kept me interested. Um, yeah. And well, let's. I'll, I'll 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 keep going for you. I'll 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 keep fighting the good fight, uh-huh. please. So um, Arnie comes back home. He has kind of his lowest point where he realizes that his neighbor, the Phil Hartman, oh, has one. Bought his, yes, yes, and he actually goes and he's going to. Steal. Which is awful. Again, it's yeah. Yeah, he stops because he's like, "What am I doing?" And then the awfulness comes back in because. Um, because Phil Hartman is uh, like a super dad, you know, he does everything for his son. He got him a reindeer, a real reindeer <laughs> in the garden. And of course, this reindeer hates Arnie, probably like most of the audience. So when he decides to take the Turbo Man, put it back under the tree, this is when the reindeer decides he's he's had enough of Arnie and he's going to have a go at him and chases him around the... Uh, the house with hijinks, mm. lots of hijinks, and of course, this is when um, his wife and Phil Hartman 
uh, spots um, see him and he he decides to take his frustrations out on the reindeer and punches. I know, it, you know, things like that. They just, ugh, yeah. I don't know, I don't know. It just made or me feel uncomfortable. You know, it was just kind of like reindeer abuse. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's uh, I don't know. It's kind of, and then of course all of this is gearing up as well as there's supposed to be a um a yearly sort of Christmas winter parade going on. Major. Um, yeah. And, you know, with, with like a carnival with floats and, you know, all of that sort of thing. And, of course, not only does does Arnold's character need to get this this action figure uh, before Christmas, but, of course, he also has to um, make sure he's there for this parade, which, uh, you know, and again, not to, he's already let his son down so many times that, um, <laughs> you, you know, he's, he's got to try and be there for this parade. And... Um, this I, I forget how it leads to him ending up being in the Turbo Man. Well, thing. he I've completely forgot. He runs into the uh, motorcycle cop again, ah. and he sort of runs away. And he 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 decides to hide in this open doorway, and the people there think he's the replacement because the the original Turbo Man's. Oh, that's to right. Yes, and. Um, there's been this whole running joke throughout the whole film about Booster, this pink lion, saber-toothed lion thing. It's like the that, sidekick um, or something, isn't yeah, it? The comedy yeah, sidekick like, that nobody wants. Nobody likes Booster. <laughs> they seem to always have plenty of Booster dolls, yeah. but never Turbo Man. And, um, yeah. Um, yeah, so this leads to the ending where, um, you know, he picks out his son from the crowd, from the crowd. yeah yeah he, to, he to is now this... turbo man and loving it isn't he deluxe luxury deluxe edition of the turbo man doll so it's a bit bigger <laughs> and um and you know for some reason for a parade they have a whole show that makes the the float actually stop there yeah so you imagine there was all these people. I guess it must have been the last float of the day because uh, everybody else would have been standing there going, come on, bloody hell, we want to have our go. Come on. <laughs> Doesn't this thing move? Anyway, Sinbad turns up as the bad yeah. guy. And they he chases Jake Lloyd up a building and Arnie has to save him using all these devices that's in the Turbo Man. Yeah, with some really bad effects for this as well, I have to oh, say. Oh, yes. Well, this is this is, you know... Well, because the thing is, there is a point in in this parade where you know his you know he's he's got his son the doll, and his son's really happy, and he's a hero for him. And they could have ended it there, man. They could have ended it at that point, and it would have been all right. It was like, oh, he's learnt his lesson. He now you know appreciates you know his son, and he knows that he's special. And you know this whole thing about you know commercialism. It's good, man. It's good. <laughs> you buy that kid that doll it what he wants, and he everything's gonna work out fine. But no, they have to have this all huge funny ending. It's very, you know, Looney Tunes. Well, I, I, what I didn't, what I thought was weird for a family friendly film, because this is the thing. This is always, mm. even though we say some bits, particularly in today's standards, feel quite inappropriate and whatever. Um, all the time, this this film, despite that, is trying to be really, really family friendly, and then hence, you know, like yeah. there's, there's there's no there's no profanity, and it's and it's you know um, very very much you know aimed as a family's film and kid 
you know, you know that, that kids could watch. But then you get, and I couldn't believe this, Jamie Lloyd actually punches Sinbad in the balls. <laughs> Not punches him, kicks yeah, him in the balls. I'm like, what? <laughs> You know, I mean, come on, that's irresponsible, right? Surely that's cut out on the TV <laughs> screenings no. or something. But I was like, I mean, I mean, what's the, I mean, the whole bit when uh, he has a Arnie Turbo Man has a, a jetpack that actually works, yeah, and um, is flying around and falling down, and you know, it, very much stuff that they've nicked off the Rocketeer. Oh yeah, totally, but not as good. And there's. Not as good, no. And then this whole bit where he gets caught up in um, a banner and he goes round and round and round and then he f- gets flung out and goes straight into a wall and his head's being bashed against this wall by this jetpack. Anybody else would be brain damaged. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know? Even even Rocky would have come out with brain damage. Right, no, absolutely. And, and, and many blows to the head. And then, of course, when when the sun gets this, this super edition Turbo Man... Yeah. Thing, he actually ends up giving it to the the neighbor's it's son. Sinbad. Oh, Sinbad. No, Sinbad. no, no, he gives, right. it he gives it Sinbad. No, no. Whatever, because... no, no. Uh, at this point, Phil Hartman's um, got out of there because you know Arnie's there. He really when the reveal is, he's like, "Let's get out of here." Yeah. Rita Wilson's. He tried the moves on her in the in the car. Yeah, and, and got yeah. And she smacked him one, and that was enough to, uh, you know. To stop yeah, no, it's pretty bad. But yeah, so so he gives it to Sinbad because he doesn't need the special edition Turbo Man because he's got the real Turbo Man. <laughs> it's the there. end. Well, <laughs> and then they come back for this stupid uh, post-credit thing where um, uh, the wife says, "Oh, you know, so." I hope you didn't forget my present. And Arnie looks at the camera and they do a crash zoom into his face, you know, and it's like, oh, oh right. God. But Was there a post-credit there, sequence? There, there, I, didn't, I didn't hang around well, for that. I, I didn't I don't the cinema, know that. but I sort of, I have this thing when I've recorded something, I tend to skip through to the end of the, the, oh, the right. thing just, just in, in case there's something. And uh, yeah, there was. And Yeah, that, that was... I have to say, um, Rita Wilson was not very good in this film. I think definitely phoning it in. And there's the bit where she goes, oh, I hope you remember the doll. And then she ducks down very quickly so the camera can, you know, go over her head or do the zoom or whatever yeah. it is. And uh, I'm, I'm amazed how she didn't hit her head. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you, you know, I, I'll be honest, you know, especially for me, I'm quite down on this film, but... I just, yeah. I just, I just didn't really enjoy it. I mean, um, uh, the director, uh, Brian Levant, he he'd done things like Problem Child, Beethoven, Flintstones. You know, you know, he'd, he's done yeah. some films, I guess, that are that are okay. But th- this, this, I, I don't know. For me, I, I just this this just didn't work. And I don't know that there yeah. there may be kids out there or families that that actually think it's quite a fun Christmas film, but. I thought it was poor. I thought it was forced, and I yeah, I I just wasn't very impressed with it at all, as you can probably tell. So, um, yeah, it was hard to sit through actually. If if I'm honest, I I just found it that yeah. cringeworthy that it was just uh, <laughs> please, yeah, you know. Uh, unfortunately, I, I watched the movie Hells before watching the movie Heavens, so um, I did I did it the right way around because you know I watched two wonderful films that really set me up for Christmas. But uh, 
I did watch this drog beforehand, and yes. uh, it, 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 I thought it was. I think it's really bad. So yeah, it's not my. Uh, it, it's it's definitely movie movie hell for me. This one. Well, Krampus has got more uh, torture in line for the naughty children out there, with uh, my pick for movie hell, and it's um, Christmas with the Cranks, which I hadn't seen until you picked it, and uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you regretted it ever since. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's well, interestingly, I mean, both of these films, um, you know, are produced by Chris Columbus in fourteen ninety two productions, which uh, is interesting because you know this is quite a uh, um, an accomplished and respected film producer. But I don't know what he's doing with his Christmas film picks. You know what I mean? It's like. <laughs> I don't know. I guess they're they're playing for the masses. I mean, the the screenplay is written by Chris Columbus. Now, um, I have a story to tell about this film. Oh, um, see, it's based on a book called Skipping Christmas by John Grisham. Yeah, which I can't believe. I find that really hard to believe that this is related to John Grisham in any way. <laughs> see, we have family up in Banbury and. We used to drive up there. And the drive's always about 90 minutes to two hours, depending which route we take. And uh, well, one Christmas, my dad started putting, well, the run-up to Christmas, my dad put had the uh, audio tape of Skipping Christmas, which we listened to in the car. And I remember when I was listening to it, um, I remember thinking, wow, this would make a great film. And how wrong I was. But saying that, the film is very, very different okay. to the book. Now, in the book, it's it's told from the the father's point of view. It's about a middle-aged couple whose teenage daughter has gone off to the Peace Corps, which I don't know if they do that in the, in the 2000s, that there's still a Peace Corps. Oh, I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah, I know I did. That straight away sounded false. But um, but anyway, so she's away for Christmas. She's off. And the, this couple who are the cranks, um, they the, the father decides that he's, you know, he's fed up with the whole Christmas, you know, that it's it costs so much money. They do so much. They put on parties. They buy all gifts and, you know, so they decide in for us to use the money to go on a cruise. The flight out to the cat to the Caribbean is on Christmas Day, and so they decide to you know they're not going to do anything at Christmas. They're not buying turkeys, hams. They're not putting decorations up. They don't buy a tree from the scouts. Now in the book, the conflict comes from the neighbourhood. Um, they are in competition to sort of win the best decorated street in the town. And with the cranks not having their house decorated, they're going to lose. Uh, so they to put their decorations up and they, they don't want to because they're not going to be there for Christmas. And, and then what happens is the daughter rings up to say that she's coming back, that she's met a guy and she wants to bring him back uh, so that she can enjoy that. He can sh she can show him Christmas done, you know, the crank style. And so they rush around Christmas Eve trying to find, you know, uh, food, presents, a tree. And, of course, Christmas Eve, there's nothing, you know. 
and but the neighborhood comes together and they you know help put on a christmas party for the daughter to show her you know new i think in the book and in the film the boyfriend's colombian and he's never experienced christmas because you know colombia they don't celebrate christmas do they (laughs) (laughs) but um but that's where it ends the book ends with you know um that they've given up on their 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 cruise and that they're now celebrating christmas now the thing is it's it's not a very big book or the audio tape we listened to wasn't very long. It was probably a bridge, though, wasn't it? These things usually are. Yeah, but it, it ends in quite a natural place. And the problem with the film is that they decided to fill in a lot of the gaps with this really awkward humour. Now, the reason why it's not called Skipping Christmas, that's called Christmas with the Cranks, is because there was another film at the time. I think it was a Ben Affleck film, like Surviving Christmas. Oh, really? Okay. Wow. Yeah. There yeah. are so many Christmas I think was, movies, aren't there? It's <laughs> yeah, it's the one with him and the main guy at the Sopranos. Oh right. And he rents their family for Christmas. He's a rich guy and he's you know, he wants to experience a family Christmas and he he pays these guys money to to be part of their family. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've not seen that one. So, you know, Hollywood's you know, reasoning. Well, we can't have two films that have similar titles. So we'll go with a title which you know every year we see christmas with whoever it's christmas with the coopers this year isn't it yes exactly <laughs> yeah we're spending it with the coopers get the beer out yeah <laughs> yes yeah, so um the film does kind of follow the book so the same thing happens their daughter goes away to the peace corps and um i have to say the daughter in the film um She's not on screen much, but she came across straight away as a bit of a bitch. <laughs> okay. She's not a very likable character. Who was that? She felt very spoiled. All right. Okay. I'm just wondering who she is and what she's done. Uh, her name is Julie Gonzalo. Okay. Yeah. I don't know who that is either. She's blonde. She's pretty. Yeah. I remember thinking she was quite nice, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But she, she just came across very, you know, it's very spoiled. Yeah. Maybe bitch is too much. Yeah, I was going to say, that's spoiled. probably a bit strong. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I hear you. Spoiled. The, the mother's quite sad to see her go. And, you know, Tim, the father as well. And and then it sort of skips forward to this bit where um, they're trying to get, you know, Christmas. They're trying to stock up for Christmas and it's pissing down with rain. And this whole comedy thing with Tim coming in out the rain and, there's a, a Santa giving away umbrellas and he's Yeah. I have to say as yeah. well, just production y wise, that felt so like a, a, a set. It was unbelievable. Yes. You know, it, it literally felt like it was just shot on the back lot on a corner somewhere. I mean it didn't it you know actually looked like the set from um um How I Met Your Mother. Right. Yeah. That's what that's what it looked yeah. like. And, you know, great hilarity where he keeps coming back in and out the shop that's pouring down with rain. But, of course, this is where he sees the idea to get the um, the cruise. And, again, I f- actually think that was in the book. But, again, in the book, they did it better. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem so, you know, false. And, um, and also what they do is that they, 
I think they give the neighbors a lot more time than they did in the book. Now you you had the Dan Aykroyd character, this Vic Frommeyer, Frommeyer, yeah, and he, you know, he he's in the film he's a bit of a tyrant, you know, he's a man to be feared, <laughs> which is like yeah, he's a man with a lot of connections as we learn, and you know, and he has a, a son called Spike who's a bit of a pain in the ass. It's, it's one of the guys from um, Malcolm and the Middle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know it, it, and there's this weird sort of comedy bits thrown in, like um, when Jamie Lee Curtis decides to to, to use um, oh a, a tanning machine <laughs> and somebody walks in on her. Yeah, and then so she she walks out the front in her bikini to to have a word with the receptionist, and of course she's caught by a you know, the local priest and a few other people she knows. And Wear the orange tans, yeah. She wouldn't do to see that. And Oh, and the whole bit with Tim Allen getting um, Botox. What? Yeah. And he's trying to eat food and he's doing this whole thing where, he's, you know, he can't swallow it, so his tongue's coming in and out. You know, something very, very Tim Allen-like thing, you know, which is kind of shoehorned in there because it's, it's not in the in the book. And then, so, you know, they, so you get this whole bit, so they're built, you know, they're trying to skip Christmas, they, you know, I have to say, I thought Tim Allen and Jamie Lee Curtis actually made a very good couple, it's just. Oh, Tim would be so lucky. <laughs> yeah, I just thought the film was awful. And, you know, and then, of course, they get to the bit with the daughters coming back, and they have to. And, you know, again, comedy hijinks ensue. They've got the whole bit where Jamie Lee Curtis goes to a supermarket trying to get a um, a glazed ham. And there's only one left and she has to battle it out with her. Yeah, that's awful, isn't it? With another woman. Yeah. And that was hilarious. Mm. <laughs> now, well, again, again, a lot of the beats are similar in this film in some respects to Jingle All The Way. And it is kind of that you know, embarrassing sort of chase humour stuff that it doesn't, again, doesn't really, you know, it's just very silly, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I mean, again, it kind of, it it wasn't so silly in the book. Right. It wasn't so silly. I mean, there was the whole thing where they try and get food. Uh, And there's this whole weird bit where she invites this guy to the party and it's because they're trying to get guests. and No one knows who he is. Yeah. Uh, he's played by Austin Pendleton. You know, so they get to the bit where the you know the neighbors all come together to to get the the Cranks house all Christmasized and you know part the big party. You know, everybody pulls together, and they have this whole joke where the daughter and the boyfriend's been picked up by the, these two cops, and they have to stall. So they decide. So you got. Cheech Moran and Jake Busey playing these two cops, and you know Jake Busey's like he always looks like a scary dude. He is scary, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know they they pretend to be attending a, a burglary, which actually turns out to be a burglary. So they they drag this burglar with, and they have this. So they're at the party, and then so this. The, the kid lets him out and he starts robbing them. And then near the end, 
he tries to make an escape, but Santa knocks him out. But he's not just any Santa. He is he is Santa Claus. And he, you know, throughout the party, everybody's been wondering who this guy is who knows them. And he could have been a street Santa. And I could have buyed that. But, um, but no, they shoehorn Santa into this film. And the final, the final shot is you see all these rooftops covered in fairy lights or, you know, Christmas lights. And then you see Santa Claus coming up into the air in a VW Beetle being uh, drawn by reindeer. And you just go, oh. Yeah. I mean, the, the, yeah. there was one bit that you, that, that you have sort of skipped over that I did, didn't think mm. was too bad. I mean, it's massively sentimental, but I quite liked the way it was played. And that was oh, yes. that was with the, the neighbours opposite um, who, uh, I can't remember who, the, it's, it's Emmett Walsh, I think. He, Emmett Walsh is the actor. Yes, it is. Yeah. And he, he yeah. and um, Tim Allen throughout this have a very sort of cantankerous relationship with one another and don't like each other at all. But we learn through this that the wife's actually uh, suffering from cancer and, um, you, you know, uh, Tim Allen at the end, you know, again, it's kind of his, it's almost his Scrooge moment where he's been like, you know, totally against Christmas and a bit of a miserable bastard. And then he ends up like giving them the holiday in the, in the Caribbean or the Bahamas or wherever it is that, that they were going to go on. He ends up giving it to, um, to those guys. And, and yeah, guys, that, yeah. that, you know, that scene, you know, sentimental as it is, but I actually think that scene was quite nicely played actually by Tim Allen and yeah. those guys. I think it's the one bit I liked. <laughs> yeah. It's just a shame that in the middle of that, you have the whole, you know, they're being robbed. and Oh, it's ridiculous. That bit. Yeah. 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 There was the guy stuck up on the roof, isn't there? Cause they, um, there's a campaign to free Fos- uh, frosty. Because every uh, house in this neighborhood has um, uh, a Frosty the Snowman, and at certain points in this film, their Frosty is quite evil looking. Oh yeah, they have that weird sort of devil moment with it, don't they? Mm-hmm. In a couple yeah. of places, yeah. and it's kind of they don't really totally go there, but then they they kind of go there a bit much, and it's it's kind of they. I, I felt like they didn't make a decision one way or the other about that. It was kind of um, yeah, not particularly well well done that bit no No, but i mean there's a bit when tim allen is um because he's been accused of being selfish and everything because he wanted to do the cruise and he wanted to go away and stuff like that and you know he had been a miserable bastard and jamie lee curse choosing out about it and he goes out and you know he's had a little walk you know and you can hear his name being called out and there's a guy stuck up on the roof with the frosty I don't know if he gets down or not. I don't remember anybody rescuing him. No, I I, I don't know. It was another film that, honestly, I wasn't massively engaged with. I mean, we we love Jamie Lee, obviously. She's great. And, uh, you you know, Tim Allen's okay in this. But it's just, I don't know, it's just another one of those films that, that isn't, isn't that great, really. It's, it's cheesy and, um, it's it's definitely not what I'd call a Christmas classic, you know. <laughs> no, which is such a shame because I, I enjoyed the book. And one of the things I did like about the book was it took a realistic look at these things. And, of course, they decided when they made the film to add shoehorn all these sort of, you know, Christmas is magic. So, mm. you know. No, it's, 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 so is that why you chose this one? Because you were a fan of the um, John Grisham source yes. material, yeah? Yeah. 
it, it is interesting. Yes, I mean, it is interesting that the two the two movie hells that we picked. I mean, that wasn't intentional, but it is interesting that they're both Chris Columbus uh, productions. You know, because obviously he's done That's some very right. good work over the years. And uh, I actually, right. I actually they're both from the fourteen ninety two. Yeah, I actually went to uh, film school with his his nephew and his niece. Would you believe? So I always okay. thought, well, it must be a good score if he sent them there. But from what I can tell, they've only gone on to sort of work in in production as um, uh, you know production secretaries and things like that. They haven't seemed to have got into the creative side. So may- maybe, yeah, maybe they weren't that interested. Yeah, maybe I don't know, but. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. See, nepotism not all the time. Well, you know, I mean, they're working in it, but they're, they're not, you know, yeah. producing and directing uh, movies or television or anything. Or, or it doesn't appear to be the case anyway, even though that our uncle is is obviously very well connected in the industry. But, um, but yeah, um, you know, the these particular Christmas films just... Uh, yeah, they 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 they're they're very forgettable. Yeah. I mean, so much so that I only watched them uh, a, a couple of weeks ago. It was I, it felt early for Christmas at the time, but it was a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> and I since obviously watched two fantastic films that are are heavens, yeah. and I've seen a few other Christmas films like I saw Krampus in there and whatever, which was a Christmas horror film and whatever. But um. But you know, already as as you saw when I was trying to recite the the the, the plot for Jingle All the Way, I've kind of they, these aren't memorable, and a lot of them, particularly with these two films, have sort of blended into one for me in terms of oh, was it yeah. was it Rita Wilson or Jamie Lee Curtis that did that? <laughs> you, 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 you know, again, both good actresses, but you know, wasted in these particular films. I felt oh, I have to, I have to say, most of the cast been wasted in these films, but um, yeah. Well, let's let's fight off Krampus and let's bring Santa back. Hey. And let's leave the leave the podcast with um, some good suggestions for other films to check out this this Christmas. Um, for me, uh, which was a, a close second to my pick, is um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh yeah, great film, absolutely L- great christmas comedy and uh, i laugh every time though do try and catch the uncut version because again it's another one that gets heavily censored on the tv massively edited for television yeah yeah yes and i get i guess yeah. uh miracle on 34th street's always quite a good christmas classic yeah uh either version the original or the yeah remake. the remake had uh you know the uh the wonderful late now uh Richard Attenborough in there, and uh, we love him, don't we? Yes. So, yeah, yes. <laughs> good old Dicky. <Yeah. laughs> That's it. Well, uh, there's also the Nightmare Before Christmas, which um, can either be a Christmas film or a Halloween mm. film. Yes, you can watch it both. Uh, you know, both times. Mm. No, and it works. It's a very good, uh, very good film. Um, I'm just trying to think of others. There, there are so many. Why can't more come to? Uh, mine Christmas film. There's uh, a Christmas story. Yeah, this is a film that my dad would rent from the video shop every Christmas. Yeah, and it's uh, I think it's very well known now. Mm-hmm. No, ab- absolutely. And also uh, one that's uh, another animation one that's done very well. I think is the Polar Express. You know, by Robert Zemeckis. That's that's a that's a yes. good Christmas movie if you want to get in the Christmas spirit. I, I think that works. Well, talking about uh, animation, there's uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas. Right. 
Yes. Yes, I've seen that, I think, way yeah. back. But yes. And, do you know, I have to say you, yeah. this might might not be popular. This me saying this might make a few people groan, maybe even you. But OK, I actually like love, actually. No, no, I, I actually think it's quite a good Christmas movie. You know, I mean, Richard Curtis, yes, he he can be a bit sentimental with things. But um, I, I yeah, I quite enjoy that, actually, I have to say. Uh, we don't have to agree on all these things, you know. No, we don't. I, I've never watched it. I don't. I don't particularly want to watch it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, if you're filling in the mood for something a bit darker, there's Black Christmas, which was directed by the same guy who directed the Christmas Story. There you go. Another good one is Rare Exports. Yeah. Um, Any, I'm just else? trying to think. Uh, you know, after after the podcast, and we go, oh, I should have mentioned this, I should have mentioned this, and didn't think of that. <laughs> um, well, what else have we got? I'm just trying to think. I mean, there, obviously, there are loads of movies that are set at Christmas that aren't necessarily Christmas movies. Oh, that we come love. on, we're, we're we're thinking of a um, a classic which um, was very heavily influenced by Superman. I think they even used the, the tagline, "You'll believe a Santa can fly." <laughs> Santa, Santa Claus, Claus the movie. movie. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I even like, I like the Muppets Christmas Carol. Oh, yeah, that's, that is. Yeah, brilliant. love that. Love that film. Love a bit of yeah. the Muppets, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, there's, they're, they're, I mean, there's, there's bloody hundreds of them, isn't there? But good good and bad out yeah. there. There's, there's definitely yeah. some, some awful ones. Oh, I, you know, I watched the last year, which I really enjoyed. And, um, Oh, oh God! What was it? Um, it was that Ardman anim- animation. Ah. Oh, Arthur Christmas. Oh yeah. Arthur is Christmas. that good? Is it? Yeah. I do so like Arthur. I really enjoyed that. Right. I... I, I really enjoyed that. Even though it was CGI, it was still, it was still a lot of. Fun. I wasn't. It wasn't claymation, no. No. Oh, no. Okay. Interesting. Mm. Oh, I tell you what, I, I've got a laugh as well. Again, people think it's some people think it's shit, but it it, it made me chuckle. Will Ferrell in Elf. I, I still found that quite amusing back in the back when I watched that. It was quite fun. I've only watched it the once, but I thought it was all right. Oh right. That's, uh... Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. It, it's. I, I. I. I've seen it once as well, and once was enough. I think. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, of course, there's 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 things like White Christmas, obviously a classic. Um, Yes, Holiday Inn is is you know the, yeah. The, I mean the, yeah there's 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 loads of them but um but I have to admit you know for me watching both Scrooged and It's a Wonderful Life absolutely set me up for Christmas and made me feel Christmassy so um so yes yeah. that's that's why they are on TV every year and will will be for a long time mm-hmm. while Christmas with the Cranks and Jingle All the Way will fade into obscurity at some point because nobody wants to watch that. Ah, yeah, no, absolutely. It, it, it is just, yeah, it's just fodder, isn't it? It's yeah. just, yeah. 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 Yes. Anyway. Well, we, I think it's a good place to, to it's leave. been a long one. So, this has actually, it has, wow. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's been very special, a very special one. <laughs> and just thank you to our listeners and and obviously merry merry christmas to anyone listening to this and uh, obviously we we will be back in 
2016, uh, where I believe we've got up to the letter P. Wow. Just saying that, though, we do have another special oh, we do. for New yes, Year's. Yes, yes. How can I forget our New Year special? My God. So, so uh, there will be no break for us. We'll be, we'll keep on, uh, we'll, we'll have a, a podcast extra uh, in the new year. Working like Santa's elves. <laughs> That's it. We don't take any breaks here. <laughs> Not when it comes to movies. <laughs> That's it. So, you know, you won't go without an episode. Um, so, yes, we'll uh, P. We'll get back to our directors in the, in the new year, uh, the second week in January, and uh, we'll be on P. You must wonder who that must be. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we're going to sign off in our usual way. Uh, so, Keith, how can we find your work? Uh, yeah, if you go to YouTube and you go to British Isles, E-Y-L-E-S, you can see films that I've uh, written, produced and directed there. Um, and uh, obviously, when it comes to this podcast, uh, you know, there are dozens of episodes on there now. Uh, please do, if you can, over Christmas, show some Christmas spirit and take time and uh, Give us a, a review because we, we, we do need that in order to um, to spread the word further. That's it. Share some Christmas cheer in between opening your presents and eating the turkey and leave us a review. <laughs> you can find my work at uh, independentrunnings.com and you can find our podcast on Stitcher, uh, YouTube, Mixcloud and iTunes. And uh, do follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, do get in touch and let us know what you think of the show. And uh, yes, and uh, so we will see you in a week's time for New Year's. And so it just leaves us to wish you uh, a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, one and all.